0: All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Break the Rule stream. I am your host, Lev Polyakov, at LevPo on Twitter. We are here for an episode about artificial intelligence, talking about Dali with technologist Chris Bartlett. And the wonderful Paul Town. Both of you guys have been on BTR before, and I'm so glad to have you back. And of course, we're gonna have Janati Stolyarov the Second, a big favorite of BTR, coming in here uh, pretty soon at uh, around eight o'clock. And he is the chair of the United States Transhumanist Party, so he is going to give his input on what we have to expect with uh, artificial intelligence. So, for those who do not know Paul Town, you are an author, you are an internet icon, I'm not really sure how else to describe you, Uh, what would you like to say?
1: I'm uh, honored to be here, Um, that's very flattering, Uh, you know, I'm trying to do better at uh, letting people just just compliment me, even if they're wrong, but thank you, I appreciate it, that's a a good description.
0: You're welcome. And I also love the avatars that you always choose. You choose these uh, unpredictable ones like this, uh, the Marvel, um, what do you call that thing? The uh, the, uh, Funko Pop. Funko Pop, yes. And also that uh, shifty looking raccoon. I love that one as well, which I did a dolly image of, which I'm going to put on the screen right now for the people who have not seen it. And uh, you're not going to see it right now, but uh, the audience will. But you've already seen it, right? uh, I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, the barn burning uh, over the hedge raccoons.
1: Yeah, do you have access to that? Like the the because uh, you have to like uh, ask to get like, access to that, right? The Dolly. N-
0: this is just Dolly Mini. Everybody has access to Dolly okay. Mini, but uh, this um, new one, Dolly Two. I want to talk about that one as well. That one's supposed to be a very high quality uh, version, but I don't know. Like Chris. You are going to be way more of an expert than probably Paul and myself on the subject. You are a technologist. You're living in Japan, which I've always considered to be closer to the future than any other place in the world. So tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, yeah, let's go from there.
2: Uh, yeah, um, I uh, I studied biology and psychology at university. Um, I worked uh, I worked first for Microsoft and some other technology companies, um, but I, I spent uh, about 10 years in pharmaceuticals. Um, I, uh, founded a, a ma- magazine health magazine, um, which ran for a, about 18 months. Um, uh, and, uh, it was kind of, a uh, it was kind of a, a unique thing in, in, uh, in sort of healthcare journalism at the time, cause it kind of opened up real knowledge about medicine and things. Um, but uh, I moved. I <clears throat> I've been in Japan like twenty years ago. But I moved back uh, about eleven years ago, um, and uh, I'm been mostly writing. Um, and uh, although my my day job is kind of game game development, um, so I've released uh, like one game so far. Um, I'm also I'm also working on um, some novels for a long time. But I'm not good at finishing books. I I noticed Paul's finished quite a few so i'm very impressed um, thank you thank you but uh, what
1: for the, for the game development what um like what is it like mobile is it like desktop like web games or what is it
2: uh, it's it's unity so it's okay. uh, cross platform um, yep. but we've only released on android and uh mac os so far um, that's awesome but uh, yeah um, so i i i'm really interested in kind of um, evolution sort of all types of evolution uh, biology Biological evolution, uh, technological evolution, the the two combined, societal evolution. So uh, my, I, I'm I read a lot, so my it's kind of I'm a generalist uh, overall. So you know I, I know I know a fair bit about a lot, um, and I have my areas of focus. But what I'm what I want to do is try and predict where we're going as a as a species, um, sort of in the medium to long term. You know I, I'm less worried about what's going to be big next year. And, you know, more worried about, um, or more excited about where we're going, um, in sort of 10, 20, 30, 200, a thousand or, Mm. you know, years. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to project where we're going. Um, so I'm kind of a little bit more interested in the sort of high level concepts rather than the absolute nitty, nitty, uh, forgetting English, lived here too long, uh, nitty gritty detail. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Dali is absolutely amazing. And um, I and, and a lot of other people that have been involved in um, sort of AI for 20 years or so have been saying that this was coming. And it, it's it's amazing how many um, kind of re- AI researchers have just denied again and again and again that we were on the track to you know AGI in our lifetimes. Um, and every barrier they threw up's just fallen, and fallen quickly, m- much quicker than we predicted. You know, it, I mean, yeah, I, I, that, that's 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 probably too much detail for an introduction. Um, no, no,
0: no, no, that's a, that's you know. quite a good amount of detail. Uh, what I'm wondering about, though, is when it comes to this uh, technocratic. Takeover, like up yonder over here, was saying technocratic heel. He does not know that Chris, you are not a, as far as I see it, a traditional technologist. In that you don't seem to be caught up in the paradigm of minding your p's and q's when it comes to being on the public uh, stage. You seem to be supporting the figures who, I mean, you know, here they're considered to be milk toast, but uh, figures that would be considered to be in any professional sphere problematic. And before we get to the uh, technology part of it, I'm a bit curious about why you chose to sacrifice yourself at the stake here. Why you chose to become a witch that's going to get burned by the surgeon generals of the technocracy for having wrong
2: think. Well, damn, that's, that's scarier than I've been thinking. But <laughs> yeah, I, I mean... Uh, I, I, I mean, I'm looking for the truth, right? I, I want the truth. I want the truth about what's happening now. I want the truth about what's happened in the past. And with those, you know, maybe we can get close to truth about what's happening in the future. And uh, I, I mean, to me, like, you know, people not speaking the truth, especially deliberately and, and disingenuously. Uh, it, it, I mean, that's offensive, you know. Uh, and I, I don't think the people I'm supporting are particularly extreme. I mean, uh, well, I who would all, you say,
0: who are the big ones?
2: Uh, uh, Elon Musk, I suppose. Um, uh, Eric Weinstein. Um, uh, Jordan Peterson, to some degree. I oh, mean, my Scott. God. Oh, yeah. no. That's, that's I'm, a bit too far. Has that, <laughs> right. that, that, de- that demonified the, uh, the video? But, I mean, uh, I mean, Jordan Peterson, I actually was a critic originally. Um, you know, I, I was more sort of Sam Harris's side of it. Um, but you know when you read sort of what he's written um you know he's he's yeah he's a genius um you know maybe not quite on Elon Musk's level but um uh you know he's he's got he's got a lot of insights to offer I think he's got insights about um, uh, you know how we move publicly as as intellectuals um, and how we should proceed in that way i mean he's he's also he doesn't tolerate um People you know censoring the truth or this kind of thing, and I think you know we could learn something from that um but you know i, I mean as a sort of atheist and a long time atheist and, and previously a fairly militant atheist uh you, you know it, it's not a it wasn't an obvious natural fit um but yeah uh mm. he's got he got something to offer um uh, well, and a, and I, a bunch I, of other people here yeah.
0: well, I want to make sure that uh, Paul town. I want to hear what you think about Jordan Peterson since it just uh, came up right now. Mm -hmm. But also I think it would be interesting to first get uh, kind of Paul Towns' version of uh, that uh, TED Talk that was uh, done by Sam Hyde where he talked about the future. Like what things you see being on the horizon in the next, let's say, 20 years. And then seeing if it matches up with anything that Chris considers to be where we're headed one last thing for the people who are watching you may have noticed that that ticker in the bottom does not have anything on it right now it needs to fill up it is the first of the month today it is july 1st so need those super chats over here so not only will this bar be filled up but also any questions any burning questions that you desire to ask chris paul town and then janati who's going to be coming up about transhumanism ai ask them away and also don't forget to subscribe anyway Paul, what do you think of Jordan Peterson and then the uh, pred- predictions? Yeah,
1: you know, I, I guess I'll, I can do the Jordan Peterson in a second because that's that's more I think respondable, whereas the other one is kind of like theorizing or whatever. Um, uh, the like the, the twenty, I, it's it's hard to like say the exact details, but I think I, I kind of agree with Chris where it's like the nitty gritty of you know this is gonna happen at this date, this this specific person is gonna do this. I'm not super. I don't really care too much about that honestly like names dates locations it's I think there are general trends but I think like individuals don't really matter. Um you know they do matter in some ways but not really too much. Maybe Elon Musk. Yeah he's he's definitely uh if yeah. he's, if somebody's going to do something interesting he's going to probably be connected to it if it's going to be like a large scale thing if it's like a public thing. Um but as far as like the the AI stuff and like the the effect it's going to have it's like I I I'm not like a machine learning person. I have a decent grasp of like computer science stuff um and like uh that sort of thing but as far as, far as i can tell so the, there's and chris will probably correct me if i'm wrong it's like the like the main um like gpt is like the biggest the big like most well-known i think open ai is pretty pretty big too now uh, but gpt was like the it, like gpt3 was a kind of like a big moment for people to be like oh wow like, this is actually kind of impressive um And from what I've heard, like the essentially the like the positive people who think you're gonna get AGI from it is it's really just a matter of scale. Is that right? Where it's basically if you expand the data set large enough, it's going to be able to basically essentially seem like AGI.
2: Is that the question to me?
1: Yeah, Um, yeah. Is is that
2: accurate or okay? Um, I have a nuanced view on that. Maybe, maybe, uh, Mm. you know, like it's a real possibility, like maybe it's 40% of chance of the way we get there. Yeah, okay, yeah,
1: so yeah, Yeah. so, so like for me, like. Looking into it now, because I've played around with, like, the open AI play, playground and that sort of stuff, and I've been interested in doing some, like, uh, machine learning, like, sentiment analysis on, basically, like, chans and Twitter, like, social media stuff for, for my own purposes. But as far as I can tell, like, it almost seems like right now with AI, yeah, you do get the, like, the Dolly stuff. You get, like, the open AI playground, like, text, text prompts, that sort of thing. You also got, like, that uh, GPT 4chan, which is really cool if you've seen that. Um, it seems like it, it's mostly, like, deterrence is the like the main benefit of it, um, for, for like large scale applications for scaling, it's like almost like flooding a zone of information in like a negative way to prevent other things from happening, you know what I mean? Uh, rather than a like a generative sort of uh, like re- like true AI, like AGI sort of thing at the moment. Um, so like for me, like like the way I see things going over the next maybe a decade, maybe two, and I think it's actually, I think it's like 20 years is pretty long in terms of tech stuff. Like, t- like 20 years in terms of tech, if you think now compared to 20 years ago, 20 years ago we didn't even, we didn't have an iPhone like that wasn't even a thing um so like it's really that, like that's like way too far out I think for where things are going so I think it does speed up too um but I think like like the real the real impact of, of AI and that sort of stuff is it's it's in the short term I don't know what scale that would be at is uh mostly deterrence right like basically you have like the government does this without AI, where they, they release some information where they don't want someone to just like know what's real or not, and then they basically release a ton of other information with that's kind of junk. Um, and I think you can, you can see this on like Reddit, you can see this on Chan's, you can see this on Twitter probably. Um, I think that's like the main thing is like almost like drowning out valuable noise. And I like <clears throat> so like Chris, you you've probably been on were you like on like uh, like forums and stuff prior prior to like the 2008, like even after it, but like. Uh, like, back when, like, like, Flash games were a thing, like, that sort of thing. New grounds um, and... Yeah, like, like forums used to be actually, like, enjoyable and usable because there'd be... It wasn't really a profit incentive for stuff. It wasn't very... Um, like, I think I think we're headed more towards, like, a Tower of Babel type of situation where it's, like, you get so much information, everybody's so connected and everything's so fast, where the incentive structure is more to... Um, with, with AGI, it's, it's like... The, the stuff, like, even, like, the Dolly stuff we saw... Uh, it's like the, the raccoon or whatever. It's really cool. But it's, at the end of the day, it is it is kind of like human directed. And so like for copywriting and that sort of stuff where you're basically you make out like the um, you, you basically put a prompt in it, it makes the the main bulk of it and then you edit it. That's useful. Uh, but for actual generative stuff, um, I'm not sure how useful it is. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like for the most part, it's mostly like AI and tech stuff that's going to going to result in people who are pretty smart and know what they're doing. Basically, uh, this flooding zones of information in a way that manipulates stuff, not in like a like really hyper intelligent way, just more like a brute force way.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, a couple of points on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I was on the internet fairly early, like uh, like right at the beginning of the '90s. Um, okay, yeah. as a as a kid, obviously. Um, uh and yeah i mean the internet was you know free Uh, conversation was free it was uncensored it was mostly fairly smart people that were talking i mean you know it was totally different world from what we're looking at now and uh and even like what 10 years ago you could you know you could google search and find useful stuff right you could find like intelligent uh conversations um it's so difficult now like everything's censored uh google's frankly useless for search now I mean you can't find anything at all um I, I brave search slightly better but it's not it's nothing like we had before um and uh yeah I, I mean and I'm very I'm very skeptical about the way governments are operating and uh sadly you know because I, I i I wasn't always like really skeptical about governments and corporations but mm-hmm. I've just been forced to you know face up to that because it you know it's, it's just ridiculous um yeah I hope I hope we event we get Twitter freed up eventually you know um and, and preferably other social networks um mm. yeah yeah I mean Paul were you suggesting that like you know a lots going on with AI behind the scenes and you know we're just being given uh sort of sweet like you know
1: no no so so I think <clears throat> well it's, it's... For me, it's like a, like a, and this is gonna sound weird to probably younger people, but I think you'll probably get it, and uh, like everyone everyone here talking will get it. But like like usually, like porn is like the like the leading indicator, of like technology. Usually, like the little like they invested in like the VHS then the DVD over the the other one, like the I forget the name of it. But I think like if we got AGI, I think if it was like capable now, if there, if like there was like secret AGI research or secret, secret AI research that was like really advanced that we didn't know about, I think like. There's so much money in that industry that I think we, we would already see like chat bots and and almost like like basically completely like computer generated like porn stuff because that's there's so much money in that already. You know I think that would be like a good so I don't see I don't think there I think there is stuff going on in terms of machine learning and stuff. I, I think I don't know I'm not it's 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 weird to me because I think there you can I think there's so much more that can be done with machine learning and AI that people aren't even thinking about like I, even the AGI thing. I think I'm a bit more skeptical of it, but I think there are some really interesting avenues for like going down to try to try to make that work. Um, but well, it's I still, see, it's still see people doing it.
0: It still looks kind of primitive. I mean, uh, much respect to the raccoons of the Dali mini and to the various examples in the uh, newer Dali two, I could still tell that this is computer generated and even the mm-hmm. compositions themselves. Like there was this one piece of this girl with her cat, like this uh, artwork and, other pieces that were generated had the composition being very off. Like you can tell this was not well thought out as far as where the objects were placed. It's very dumb in that sense. It doesn't have to have this artistic flair that you can notice. Like even even like little kids artwork, you can notice that like the way certain things are positioned. Where yep. it feels too fake right now. I'm not sure if that is something... I mean, I guess this is more of a primordial question of whether artificial intelligence were, will ever be able to replace the human being and what a human being is at the end of the day. Like, are we just these bits of information or is there something more going on there? But that's like a whole other. We yeah, can get that's to that a little different, bit later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but
1: yeah, but even like what you said there, whereas it's like it's almost like the Uncanny Valley, but it's like. If you look at it, if you look at it quickly, you say, "Oh, that's a cool," but then you look into a little bit. Wait a second, this is this is computer generated, and I think that's like the main application possible for AI at this point, which is basically like a that uh, uh, like in North Korea where they have like the, the fake the fake uh, towns, fake villages, um, where it's, it's basically at, on the surface it looks good, right? You see like these North Koreans on the computer and they're talking and and the the newspaper is going by and and like the people are happy and then you look for a little bit like wait a second, that's, that's the same guy doing the same exact thing like a week ago in the same in a different video like wait wait a second and i think that that's kind of the the main use at this point uh like the the main like uh app applicable use for large scale applications is pretty much just flood, you know like i said like flooding a zone i i, th- I think reddit is a really really uh very this happens, I think, definitely on Chans, too, like 4chan, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, well, they call 4chan
0: a containment zone for a reason. Yeah, yeah. That's just because it's insane people. Um, but it's also <laughs> like, smart
1: insane people. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think, um, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I think, like, that's, like, the the short term. And I don't know, really, can't really give a time frame because I do, I do think 20 years is way too long uh, to give a prediction for tech stuff. All right, less than 20 um, years. Let's say, I don't yeah.
0: know, five years.
1: Yeah, but I think socially, it's, it's mostly going to be... Um, it's mostly going to be used for deterrence and like basically obfuscation of things that people don't want to talk about. Uh, cause you can do, you can do the, you can do the censorship stuff with like the hardline censorship. Uh, but you can also do, uh, like Kevin banning, where you use GP, you use basically like machine learning and you use like uh, bots to essentially somebody gets, somebody gets banned and they're not, they don't know they're banned. They just basically have, they're now they're in their own little zone where they, they make a comment somewhere and then bots will go out of their way to compliment them and agree with them. And they think they're participating, but really they are, uh, literally just invisible and talking to robots.
0: And how would it affect people when this whole thing keeps happening over years and years? Like I've even noticed now when I go to the beach, I notice these girls, you know, they're pretty girls, they're in their bikinis. The only thing that they're doing pretty much, they're just photographing each other for social media. That's it. They go there, they photograph each other, They've they've become machines to disseminate this information and that's it. Like they seem to lack any other kind of, at least when they're there, they seem to lack any agency to do anything else. That mm. doesn't mean that they don't have familial relations and you know certain personal things that they've picked up, but it seems like the direction that they're going into ends up being more and more roboticized as the years go on. And I don't just want to single them out. I just think that there may be a lot more social pressure to keep on putting out more photos, to keep yearning for more likes. And that's kind of, bringing them in much more maybe than uh, other people i know like specifically for women and girls like how is that going to affect them
1: yeah i mean that's, that's like that's more sociology but yeah i, I do agree it's like uh, a few years ago i think things pretty much flipped where like the the online became more real than the offline uh for a lot of ways like, especially like and that, that sounds stupid and that sounds like uh, you're just like a, you're sitting in your basement all day so you think it's more real but in terms of like what people do and how they do even do events a lot of it is to basically you do the physical event, uh, but you do it for the purposes of some social validation online, pretty much. Um, and I, th- I think that that is true, that definitely like uh, people are adjusting to the new economy and essentially the, the globalized sort of uh, social value system. It's mm-hmm. not even like a, it's not like an explicit like point system. It's more of a, you know, oh, how many followers do you have, Oh, you know, what, you know who likes you Do how do do people know you online that sort of thing yeah and i think i think that that uh that's more that's far that's like kind of away from ai but it is, it is definitely well that, is that's sociology
0: away. but the question yeah. is how does ai end up playing into that in the future So I don't know, like, Chris, uh, any opinions on that when it comes to social media, the way people are affected by it right now? You could say, well, that's just people being affected by other people. But does AI already play a role? I mean, you could say maybe it plays a role in the algorithm of uh, what people end up seeing. But how much further can we go with this? How much further can AI intercede between the person who's taking that selfie, the people who are seeing that selfie, and so on?
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot, everything. Um, I mean, and going back to the girls on the beach just quickly, uh, I, this, I mean, most humans have always, um, you know, done, you know, I, I don't want to disparage it, but, you know, they've always done the sort of grindy work. I mean, whether that was like tilling the fields or whether it's taking selfies, you know. Yeah,
0: or um, whether it's asking people to subscribe right now to TV. <laughs> uh,
2: go on. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, that doesn't necessarily bother me. And I, I think as we enter a kind of age of abundance, you know, hopefully if, uh, people don't screw it up, um, you know, I think, you know, most people will spend a lot of time doing that. And that I, for me, that's fine. As long as there's space for people to do more interesting things. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I, I have no problem with having a world full of people like that. Um, as long as I can find you know, a few people to have this kind of conversation with, um and it's a lot easier on the internet. I mean, uh, like my life, uh, you know, I have a lot of, I have a real life, obviously, but I, I mean, a lot of my intellectual life is on the internet, and I probably wouldn't really have one except reading books if, if I didn't have the internet. Um, h- how far does, um, how far can AI take us? I mean, uh, yeah, you know, we must be pretty close to an AI that basically just tells you how to live your life and does such a good job that you're very happy to follow it. I mean, yeah, I can see AI agents working for individuals, and they kind of diplomatically communicate with each other, and they work out, for example, that you know that the the girl on the other side of the subway train, uh, if you were to, uh, you know, speak to her and, and build a relationship, she would be, you know, your perfect match, uh, you know, and 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 sort of encourage you to go and make that contact, that kind of thing. And and you know, it, it would sound it sounds dystopian, but if it works, you know, if 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 every time it gives you a suggestion, it works out great. Um, you know, you're probably going to follow it. And I mean, we're already there, aren't we, with uh, YouTube or something like that. I mean, uh, the algorithm's pretty good at delivering the next mm. video you, you want to see. Um, unless unless it's like a censored, you know, thing. Like, how, you know.
0: Sure, but there is a big difference between videos where... If you see a video and I see a video, it doesn't make the video uh, less available to other people. It's a resource that is uh, infinite in terms of the amount of people that could see it. Not so with other human beings. And that brings the question of how AI may affect for the positive or for the negative, something like Tinder, for example, when it comes to there being a much more limited choice In the amount, let's say, of uh, females for the males, if females would end up going to, uh, you know, I I don't know how much there is to that whole, you know, only picking, you know, six feet and uh, over. I mean, Paul, I don't know how much you know about that whole uh, dating situation. But uh, that is
1: they they don't care about height; they just care about like clout. They care about clout. Well, there we go.
0: So then the question is: When it comes to artificial intelligence, does it keep more of that going on? Because right now there does seem to be kind of a uh, crisis when it comes to dating. Or does it uh, kind of create a situation where everybody's going to be compatible for everybody else in the exact right way? I don't know if you've done Mm -hmm. research when it comes to like that.
3: Yeah,
1: I don't. I don't really. I don't really think. Uh, I, I think. I think that the reason there's problems with dating and that sort of stuff is because the, the economy has fundamentally changed in, in such a such a big way, and the, the what works and what doesn't work has changed in such a big way. That uh, and this sounds that sounds mean, but um, you know, women are, are more intuitive and they can kind of sense where things are headed, not like consciously, but they kind of do pick up on trends and like because <clears throat> like they're they're consent they're more based on consensus than men, and most most men are not really um, suited emotionally for. You know the way the internet works or like uh involve in 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 terms of like uh, like outcomes and uh, dead-end jobs it's like most men are on track to it to a dead-end job and that, that's that's i mean to me that, that's pretty much why uh, most men have bad luck with mm. with that sort of stuff I, I don't i don't i think it's really just we're, we're in the kind of like an evolutionary bottle like in terms of tech being the like the mental stuff is more dominant over like uh physical stuff whereas in the past it was like oh like are you a good engineer are you a good uh, whatever. Are you, are you Do you have like a, a real world application that's really quality, whereas now it's a lot more, oh, do you know how to navigate yourself and present yourself in a way that's successful online? And I think, there, I, yeah, I don't really think, uh, you know, I think it's going to get worse uh, rather than better, to be honest.
3: Mm.
0: And uh, the presenting yourself online that wouldn't really go that long of a way if there wasn't something behind that presentation. Like it may go on for a little bit for a one night stand or whatever, but as far as future relationships go, and this is kind of diverting away from AI. The way that I can bring AI back into it is to ask whether AI can somehow remedy this. But from what I understand, Paul, you're saying that middle class is being sucked out right now, and there's yeah, yeah.
1: I, like ai itself um the applications are interesting in terms of information management and that sort of stuff um and basically pre- presenting information and uh basically making a scaffolding for certain things and, and then that, that a human then modifies but until you get to a- agi and that's that's a totally different thing and one thing i i, I still think even if we got agi like the my problem like, even like the tra- we can talk about the transhumanism you transhumanism things when when the, the guy comes on um I, I think that the way it works is like when if we get like AGI, it's not like that's like going to be um some utopian uh, vision. It's more like, all right, well, I'm the I'm the ruling class, or I'm the the people with the money and the, and the power. Now I'm going to make a machine so that to better uh, better enslave the people below me, not really uh, to lift everyone else up. I think it's really just like, hmm. you know, I, I think we we kind of do have like uh, you know people talk about automation and stuff. And if, if just say you're you're you are born into a rich family or some dynasty or some like old money thing. That's like, you pretty much do have automation. Those are just humans that are like poor and you put them into your factory and your job and you're, it's like, I, I don't really. Th- yeah. But that's you know, short term thinking. That's
0: the problem. And not to say that you're not correct about it. No, people may, people may be very stupid and they may do things like that as they've done throughout history. But there is something to the idea of if you improve the lives of the people that are around you there's going to be less of a chance they're going to revolt and they're going to uh you know put your head in a uh, guillotine or whatever you know like mm-hmm. there there's less of a chance of that if there's prosperity and maybe that's what people who are in the upper echelons right now don't really think about don't care about they're looking short term there's no way for me to know but it also makes me think can artificial intelligence become a new politician can ai govern much better than i don't know fucking nancy pelosi or i don't know chris are we far away from something like that happening or no um
2: yeah i mean we're not i don't think we're we're not that far away from i mean we've already got we've already got like bitcoin or something you know it's kind of gov, is potentially able to govern money right um it, obviously nobody in power wants it to do that but um you know it could do it and with smarter systems you know it could do more um uh I'm trying to remember uh, go back on what you were just talking about um uh yeah I, I mean i think the problem is at the moment we are getting technological development so fast um and you know humans have not got any faster really uh so we're not keeping up and we've got all these problems um in, in the short term yeah i mean i i haven't actually dated for like 20 years but um you know, in the short term, uh, dating's a, a big problem for all the reasons you said, like, you know, I, I agree. Um, it, you know, it, it, it makes it difficult when you could potentially match with anyone in the world, right? Um, it's gonna leave a lot of people out because everybody's aiming so high. Um, uh, in, the, in the longer term, I think, you know, these problems could be sorted out potentially uh, if we have the technology to Improve ourselves if we have more free time. If we can more easily change our bodies, what we look like, um, make ourselves, you know, smarter. It, it, but you know, if uh, if the world's more abundant, then you know you won't have to um, own a tech company to find a you know wife or a husband. Um, hopefully, so uh, you know some solutions are, are possible. But yeah, we're in a, we're in a period of major disruption. Um, uh, and, and you know, I think uh, ultimately, um, I think ultimately you, you're going to have a split between people who decide to um, sit sit out most further developments in technology. I, I think you're going to get groups like the Amish. You know, you, you're going to get groups that maybe decide that that roughly the technology and society of say the late 1990s is broadly as far as they want to go. Um, and they'll they'll sit it out and other people you know will go on um and yeah with transhumanism um you know i've flip-flopped a little bit on it um but i see it as inevitable so i don't think there's much uh, there'll be a question for individuals how far they want to go but um i don't think it could be stopped from happening and and i think ultimately somebody's going to go somebody's going to go forward and, and and go the transhumanist route and uh if uh, if if people don't follow them, then the people that do will have all the power. Um, uh, you know, and, and I mean, you know, there's there's uh, the way I see it. There's like a good form of transhumanism going forward, which would be like decentralised um, and and some degree. You know, I don't want to overstate this, but like you know, some degree of equality, um, not equity, but equality. Um, you know, like like we all agree that we should have like one vote, right? Um, you know, most people agree with with that pretty much. Um, and uh, I think there might be the uh, equivalent in the future to, to have some limits on on what an individual transhumanist, you know, uh, has power over. Mm. Um, that That's that's how I'd hope it, it would go. Um, I, you know, I, I am worried about I'm, I'm worried about what what are groups like the World Economic Forum up to and, and certain individuals and yeah, I worry about like I worry a little bit, not a huge amount, mm. about Facebook trying to dominate the Metaverse and and this kind of thing. Um, but you know, if it can be decentralized, uh, I, I'm I'm optimistic. You know, more optimistic than pessimistic, but but not not blindly optimistic. So.
0: And uh, Paul, what are your thoughts on the World Economic Forum and uh, their uh, chubby uh, leader?
1: <clears> the <throat> chubby is Klaus Schwab, chubby. He's
0: pretty chubby, yeah. yeah, chubby. He's, yeah no,
1: uh... I, I was distracted by his uh, his outfits, to be honest. Um <laughs> Well
0: that's how he hides the chubbiness. That's yeah, why he no, wears the a good, flashy yeah, that's outfits. A
1: good, uh, that's a pickup artist trick. Yeah, you just you talk weird and you, you dress weird. And nobody notices you're fat. Um Yeah, I mean honestly with, with the, it's it's kinda hard because I, I it's kinda weird because like I they do seem like they have influence, but it's also weird that they're doing it out in the open. Like it doesn't really like I just don't know enough about it to be like, I believe there's definitely weird stuff going on. but I just don't know. Mm. Is it them or is it people behind them? I can I can say. Mm. But yeah, there is some weird stuff. Um, Well, so
0: far, Alexander
1: Bard and
0: uh, one other person who I've uh, spoken to their interpretation of the World Economic Forum is that these are people who like. That people see them in that particular way, you know, with the Mortal Kombat outfit and all that, and they just have these drinking parties and they enjoy being the darling, the center of attention, and that's why they put on this show. So at least for those people who I've spoken to, like Alexander Bard, he doesn't see anything that the fairies there. He just sees them as being all grifters, including uh, that uh, Swedish uh, girl, what's her name, uh, Greta Thunberg and her family and all that. So they're not, they're not really seeing as much of a threat as a lot of people online are from those particular people as far as what you said earlier though about uh politicians being able to or some kind of leader being able to utilize uh, artificial intelligence what i don't really understand there is when you utilize artificial intelligence it's almost like you're sacrificing a huge amount of willpower for this thing that tells you what to do and how to act and maybe what you're saying, Chris, is that that's going to bring people more power because they're going to know exactly the right things to do at what uh, time to do them. But isn't there also a double, uh, double-edged double sword situation here where a person would lose their own ability to process information, lose their own ability to have enough willpower to get up in the morning without having some kind of a uh, chip you know, create an electric impulse that forces them up? You know, like just basic... Human things that we're used to—it almost seems like if we don't work on that shit, it ends up degrading over time. And I don't know whether that's going to be good or not in the future.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there's a theory that um, that you know humans today have smaller brains than our ancestors a few tens of thousands of years ago, and partly because we kind of outsourced a lot of our thinking to other people. So we, you know, there's a theory that we've we've had a sort of hi, a hive mind for you know quite a while certainly since agriculture you know started um and you know there's I think there's there's a trend towards that over time right um that doesn't mean I I want it you know um I I think at some point we have to draw a line um I you know I I don't want to see like a a hive mind uh I don't think that's that's a good way to go um uh I think there's a limit to how much of a hive mind you could have anyway because I think you'd get naturally uh parts of it breaking apart from other parts um and I think also evolutionarily, it, it might be undesirable and not work out as well as as having uh, people, you know, people broken into autonomous units of some kind. Although, you know, I, I could see a I could see a future transhuman, um, you know, being pretty powerful, like, you know, having something on the order of uh, sort of the capability of a small country, you know, in terms of the thinking that they could deploy um to a situation um I, I mean obviously if everybody has this sort of technology then it counters uh everybody else's use of it to some degree as well um uh so uh sorry i forgot well, that's what a, your, the end of your point was well, well
0: no that the point had to do with the question of human willpower whether you give right, right. even when it comes to a hive mind of let's say I don't know. This is a. You could say this is a tall tale. There's no way for me to know whether or not this is true. But there have been similar things that uh, were reported. For example, by Rupert Sheldrake. Uh, are you familiar with Doctor Sheldrake's work?
2: I'm not great with names, actually, so I might be familiar with the work, but unfortunately, uh, I can't Paul. Paul, d- do you know Rupert Sheldrake?
1: I don't think so. once Yeah, it's the same thing. It's I, I don't really like the the trivia. Like, I was thinking in a dismissive way, but like the, the it really comes like to the, a hive mind. So let's like say I don't I don't remember that stuff, but I might be familiar with the work, yeah.
0: So Rupert Sheldrake did uh, various studies on animals, he also did these uh, studies on things that he calls uh, morphic fields or genetic fields. If I look it up, let's see what the correct definition is. So the morphic fields of social groups connect together when members of the group, even when they are many miles apart, uh, providing channels of communication. So a lot of this sounds very woo, and I understand, Chris, uh, you're, you're an atheist, I don't think that you believe in any supernatural things rupert shellbreak though yeah you'd
2: say that I, that's I'm, about right i'm, I'm open-minded and, and i mean you know i think uh i'm open-minded like we could be in a simulation uh there could be a level of reality under space and time in fact there probably is mm. so I, you can't rule out anything but um and i mean there's also weird things that go on that we just aren't aware of um so uh, i wouldn't rule it out i'm, I'm listening
0: Well, to give you an example here of the uh, morphic fields in biology, so it says over here on the uh, website Sheldrake.org, over the course of 15 years of research on plant development, I came to the conclusion that for understanding the development of plants their morphogenesis genes and gene products are not enough morphogenesis also depends on organizing fields the same arguments apply to the development of animals since the 1920s uh, many developmental biologists have proposed that biological organization depends on fields variously called biological fields or development fields or positional fields or morphogenetic fields all cells come from other cells and all cells inherit fields of organization Genes are part of this organization. They play an essential role, but they do not explain the organization itself. Why not? Thanks to molecular biology, we know what genes do. They enable organisms to make particular proteins. Other genes are involved in the control of protein synthesis. Identifiable genes are switched on and particular proteins made at the beginning of new developmental processes. Some of these developmental switch genes, like hox genes and fruits flies, Worms, fish, mammals are all very similar. In evolutionary terms, they are highly conserved. But switching on genes such as these cannot in itself determine form. Otherwise, fruit flies would not look different from us. Many organisms live as free cells, including many yeast, bacteria, and amoeba. Some form complex mineral skeletons, as in diatoms and radiolarians, uh, spectacularly pictured in the 19th century by Ernst Haeckel. Just making the right proteins at the right times cannot explain the complex skeletons of such structures without many other forces coming into play, including the organizing activity of cell membranes and microtubules. Okay, so anyway, I think you guys get the idea here of like these fields that he's talking about in um, creating a form. The reason why I bring that up is same why I would bring up this... Uh, Possibly tall tale of these aborigines talking about how when the hunting party goes out they're able to know they point to their heart they're able to know whether the hunting party is successful or not way 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 before they come back from the hunt itself so they know whether to organize a party or whether to just sit and sulk another example would be of animals that know when an earthquake is happening way longer before any of these seismographs know or like the dogs knowing when the owners coming back things of that nature. So the reason why I point all these things out is going back to the question of artificial intelligence: what that is going to do to the human mind if these things are in play. If these well, things I, are in play, I wouldn't worry as much. If, the, if these things are in play, then wouldn't that affect a lot of these natural processes that we may be taking for granted?
2: The the, the latter examples that that you raised, um, you know, I, I think it's uh, it's it's about pattern recognition. Like humans are you know, our, our superpower is pattern recognition, right? So if you predict the success of your hunt going out, then what you have is a, a system that's evolved over, you know, millions and, and uh, billions of years uh, that's finely tuned to the environment. And uh, also you have your own experience of X number of hunts. Uh, and so you start recognizing conditions which previously gave you success. So, um, and, 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 you know, what's going on there is maybe, beyond our ability to detect at the moment right like to actually find those signals and pin them down would probably require artificial intelligence um, mm. and and accurate sensors so well, it looks like it looks like magic but it's actually the product of millions of years of fine-tuning by evolution and a fair amount during growing up um go, going back to the but then going to the uh the idea of these biological fields i, I don't 100 get the point there but but I, I think maybe I can I give you one, one final,
0: I can give you one final thing about the fields. So it says over here, the fields organizing the activity of the nervous system are likewise inherited through morphic resonance, conveying a collective instinctive memory each individual both draws upon and contributes to the collective memory of the species. This means that new patterns of behavior can spread more rapidly than would otherwise be possible. For example, if rats of a particular breed learn a new trick in Harvard, then rats of that same breed should be able to learn the same trick faster all over the world. Say in Edinburgh and Melbourne, there is already evidence from laboratory experiments discussed in the new science and life that this actually happens. So that kind of takes us away. Away from just the standard uh, yeah. way we think about evolution and it brings us to something that I think artificial intelligence locking people into this particular hive mind may block them from certain things of this nature that we're not aware of
2: yeah I, I have heard that theory before the example I heard was something along the lines of uh, you know when cars were first invented they were very hard to drive and as more and more people became able to drive cars it became easier and easier um, you know, around even even in places where people had never seen a car before that that kind of thing. That was the argument. Um, uh, th- you know, that is a little bit supernatural, but uh, I wouldn't 100 percent rule it out. But I, I I'm a bit skeptical. Um, I, th- there may be something going on there, um, like, for ex- you know, it could be subtle things like, you know, maybe I mean, well, cars certainly got easier to drive right over time um, and we're almost a full self drive where anyone would be able to drive a car, you know. Um, so, you know, that could be a factor. Um, also, even if people, uh, you know, in some remote village hadn't ever seen a car or anything before, they might well have received knowledge of, of other pieces of technology which feed into it. Like, you know, they might have seen some simple piece of equipment where there's a, a dial is turned, right? And and that mm-hmm. wakes them up to that kind of, uh, that, that module of um, human knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. So there could be a lot going on that you don't you don't see. Uh, they might and they might have seen an aeroplane, right? I mean, even if they've not had any contact with the outside world, and and there's very few remote tribes that have had no no contact. Yeah. You yeah. Even
0: well, you've seen well, the cargo cults, right? Where they make the uh, aeroplane out of straw after being visited yeah. by
2: one. I mean, as far I mean, the, the, you know, the Amazon tribes people, as as far as I know, they they're actually not uncontacted. They were. Uh, you know they were living in civilizations perhaps um, before the Spanish arrived, and they fled into the jungles. So they're not as old and unaffected as as people thought. But we we do have the island uh, near Sri Lanka, I forget the name, um, which is thought to have a an uncontacted, almost uncontacted group. But
0: is that even the North th- uh, North Sentinelese? The that's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You got
2: you better better memory than me. Lord, Lord um, Miles
0: wants to travel there, spread Christianity, see if it yeah. works out this time. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I I mean, they're sort of uncontacted, but, you know, we've had contact. They've seen planes, stuff's washed up on their beaches. They've seen boats, right? You know, they may not get the details of the technology, but they've seen some principles, right? They know now that big metal, well, not metal, but they know big, heavy things can probably fly. They they know that, you know, that that you can engineer boats. So, you know, they may only get like, uh, you know, a tiny percentage of our knowledge from that, but, you know, they probably got something, right? So if you showed them a car now, it's not going to be as difficult for them to grasp as if they'd seen a car, as if humans on the you know the savannas of Africa uh, a million years ago had seen a car, right? It, sure. You know, so th- there could be all these like undetected subtle things going on. I mean, uh, you know, our knowledge uh, is really a fraction of what's out there. Um, so it sounds it sounds like a bit of a God of the Gaps theory. Um, you know, my my I would have thought that there is an explanation. It's very complex, more complex than you know, it was worth theorizing when he was theorizing that and, and more complex than could have been um, studied and proven, right, and, and maybe still now. Um, but I don't think it's so complex that it, it's beyond our grasp. And I, I would suspect that's exactly the kind of thing where AI, AI is, sorry, AI is gonna pick up um, what's going on. And mm. We're already seeing we're already seeing it, aren't we? We're already having AI flashing up, telling us, hey, there's something in this data that you guys didn't see. Um, and, you know, we're making huge advancements uh with that you know with we got like uh alpha fold and uh you know it's probably the best example but there's other what is is alpha fold um so it's been a huge problem it's been a huge problem um in biology uh you know when i was studying 20 years ago um it it was a huge problem that you you, dna uh is a code and an amazing digital code but it, it you know codes for proteins essentially and uh you can work out very easily what the protein string, uh, the string of amino acids that's going to be coded from DNA, is going to look like in a straight line. But then what happens is that it coils up um, as uh, you know various parts of the the protein interact with other various parts. You know, it's like a massive puzzle, right? Um, and uh, calculating that, the result of that uh, folding up was. You know, just beyond. I mean, you could do some simple ones, but once it got complex, it, it was beyond human calculation, and until recently, beyond uh, computers to calculate. And some people said it would, you know, never be possible. Um, but uh, and and actually, our progress uh, completely flatlined, really, almost completely flatlined, um, until uh, DeepMind, you know, uh, developed Alpha uh, Alpha Fold, which. Um, Which was able to find through a sort of string of processes was able to find various ways of various steps that it could take uh, using existing or possibly new uh, mathematics to uh, roughly work out what this folding would be. I think, I think it's up to like beyond 78% effective now, whereas humans had not really reached more than 50% or maybe 40%, something like that. Um, so it's absolutely huge. It is huge. Um, it, I mean, it's. I think it helped with the production of uh, vaccines during the pandemic, because they were able to do like ten years' work in a day um, on on that kind of thing, um, and uh, and you can scale this up because what this is going to enable us to do in the future is we're going to be able to not just simulate how one protein is is folded. We're going to be able to simulate whole cells in, uh, in in supercomputers, and we'd be able to eventually, you know, test. You know a million possible drugs in a million simulated cells you know in, in a few <laughs> wow. in a few seconds few seconds a- and ultimately you could scale it up to a, a simulated body right where every every piece of uh biochemistry is is operating in the simulation i don't think you'd need that level in a in a simulation that you're going to play in like in the metaverse or something but it would be extremely useful you know to have simulated lab rats um Mm. You know, and, and well, that's coming. Yeah.
0: I could see that going in different ways. I would really love to get Paul Towns' opinion of uh, that uh, as well, Paul, where you mm. expect it to go uh, medically. But also, maybe we should save the question of willpower for when Genati gets here, because I think Genati's going to be more on uh, – I have no idea what your opinion is on the willpower question, but I would love to have a back and forth with Genati about this as well when he comes in. But – Back to the medicine, then. What do you yep. uh, what do you uh, think, or what are you curious about when it comes to these medical applications of AI being able to do all these various things with cells? How it can be used, and how it can be misused?
1: Yeah, no, that's uh, that, I think outside of the thing we were talking about earlier, that is like probably one of the biggest things for medicine, and even for mathematics. There's I, I was this is a while ago, so I'm probably not getting the, the detail exactly right, but like, it was probably a year or two ago I was looking into this, and um like a, a big application of like machine learning and, and that sort of AI sort of stuff is like, it's kind of like rec- recursive machine learning where you have a machine learning, you have basically have, it's like two models inside each other. It's, it's kind of hard to explain. I don't completely understand it because I'm not a uh, machine learning engineer, but um like for basically what they would do is they would they would basically be running these calculations and then also have another, another model inside of it or looking at those calculations to see if there's anything valuable in that. And yeah, I, I do think with the, with the AI with machine learning stuff that is, you know, probably I think the most tangible thing it, it, like AGI is something that's kind of a little less tangible, but yeah, you can definitely see the, uh, yeah, like the, the, like fold at home and that sort of stuff. Um, or whatever the, I, I was again, I'm not a medical person. So, but, um, yeah, no, the, the that's actually really useful because you can run simulations like you were saying, like Chris was saying. And, um, I think that will be very beneficial. I, I do say, I think, I do think tech people and I think, um, like mathematicians, especially, they're the most visible because they're, they have like super autism because they're like super <laughs> smart. Um, but like like tech people, like computer science people, that sort of thing, they're, I think there's a, there's a certain lack of uh, liberal education. And I don't mean liberal in the sense of like politics, or in the sense of uh, liberal arts in terms of like philosophy and thinking and like um, kind of realizing the interconnectedness of systems. And I, I think that does cause a problem with the the use of medical stuff because like yeah, it's like like people kind of get this at this point. Like if you if you take Adderall, uh, or if you take like you know somebody has ADHD, you give them Adderall as a kid, it might work for a while, but there's like there's like second order and third order effects. And I think it's a pretty big thing that uh, for some reason whether whether it's the medical community, whether it's the uh, I think I think people have lost the ability to kind of understand the interconnectedness or like the the holistic approach to stuff. Uh, but in terms of like knowing understanding like how to build different compounds. And that sort of stuff, I think, yeah, I do think AI will be very uh, useful. I think it is pretty useful already, right?
3: Mm.
0: When combined with something like uh, uh, gene editing, if we're talking about CRISPR, various things that may be done right now in China, for all we know, like these human-animal hybrids or whatever, Mm. whatever they're up to there over there, those naughty, naughty uh, communist parties. Yeah, exactly. So when it comes to all of that and combine that with AI... What do you think are some of the more colorful uh, results going oh, I, to yeah. be? I, yeah. I think
1: with like, even with like CRISPR, I, I'm kind of skeptical of that stuff. I think a lot of it. I think some of it's real, but also some of it is funding bait, like mm. like basically overselling to get funding. Um, and you see that a lot with like quantum quantum computing and that sort of stuff. Um, but I think with uh, more specifically AI and and uh, just like CRISPR, that's like related. To, they, they map out stuff uh with, with like gene editing and that sort of thing i think uh i think people are going to run into the problem of like good genetics are usually the result of good choices over time uh generally speaking like, wh- like wise life choices like self-sorting and when you when you start messing with that sort of stuff you kind of ruin social incentives and you kind of uh mess with the natural way things flow and it's, that's not necessarily bad but i think i think it can it, it can end up in um yeah, I think I think the cause and effect of you know a life well lived so you're successful so you get like a, a quality woman and you have a, you know quality kids they get to go they're around quality people because they're around other successful people uh, I think that sort of thing being disrupted will have uh, negative effects in terms of because uh, because of things like people you can t- you can kind of tell like right if you see like somebody who looks like they're uh, they have like lesions on their skin they're homeless and they're they're like, uh, like just like uh, disgusting looking not to be mean Um like you know, like, that person's probably making bad choices. I probably don't want to associate with that person. Whereas if you have everyone looking beautiful and everything that sort of thing, uh, it's kind of uh, it it throws off the tell of like, oh, this person has been smoking crack on the side of the road for a yeah. year. You know what I mean? Uh, so I, I that once again, that's more. It's more like the intersection between the AI and the sociology thing is pretty big. Um, I think that is. I that's why I'm not like super. Um, optimistic. I'm not like pessimistic too. I think what's going to happen is going to happen. But I think humans are pretty inefficient in terms of how they build systems and how they understand the inter interplay between, you know, different systems and, and the efficiencies and inefficiencies and the benefits and, and costs of each. Uh, so I think, I think, uh, you know, AI, that sort of stuff, it will, it will be beneficial for understanding and building compounds for like chemical stuff. But I, I don't, and even like modifying uh, genetics eventually, maybe, I'm not sure. Uh, but it's not I, I'm, I'm more skeptical, I think, than Chris. I would say for the, the long-term application. I think, like the brute force and the um, basically using it as to, to flood zones of information. To, to that is like the most useful thing, to be honest.
2: I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I, I think, uh, you know, I agree with most of what what, what Paul said. Um, uh, in medicine, which you know I'm fairly familiar with, um, you know, there 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 is a problem uh, in the the evidence that you you know you have for for drugs and things is is very selected. Um, it, it research is so expensive that they you know they pick a very narrow um, band to do the research in, and uh, uh, so you've got so many things which are not researched, so that the the unknowns are so big. Um, and you know we're at that stage where we know how complex biology is now, and how complex. Um, evolved systems are um, you know you l- l- like paul was saying like you it's some that you dare not tinker with millions of years of evolution um because you don't know what you're doing i mean you can you can probably sweat you can probably fairly safely swap in a gene that comes from one human to another uh if you you know um if, if you know it at least works in in somebody else um because that could happen naturally anyway right mm. but you know you start um Changing a lot of genes into combinations that would almost never uh, occur in in real life, or, or that wouldn't occur, um, and then you're you know you're going down a, a much more dangerous route. And if you start, you know, I think if individual parents were to choose eye color or intelligence genes that already exist and things, I don't see a huge problem with that. But if if say everybody was getting the same package of genes, um, then you you know you're running risks, all kinds of uh, unintended consequence type risks. Um, and uh, but but you know i think uh, all this the simulation that we'll be able to do <clears throat> with with the new technology will fix a lot of the problems that uh, we've been seeing in medicine so you know a, a lot of these unknown unknowns would be picked up by running very fast you know <clears throat> excuse me gotta um, go
0: gotta go fast yeah. as they say it's true
2: yeah I, so i think we're in a difficult period now uh, with with the you know with with medicine um but i i think we'll get through into the other the other side of that
0: Mm, I agree. And we finally have the wonderful Janati the II, chair of the United States Transhumanist Party, joining us all the way live. Janati, it is a great pleasure, my friend, to see you again. It's been too long. How have you been doing? Have you been running? What have you been up to? I have
4: been running regularly. I have also been hosting the U.S. Transhumanist Party virtual enlightenment salons every Sunday at 1 p.m. U.S. Pacific time. And one announcement that I have is that this coming Sunday, we're going to have a salon announcing the launch of the Transhuman Club, which will be our non-political affiliate. We have an excellent website where, among other things, our members will be able to enjoy art. So AI-generated art is an area of great interest for me. Now, I am by no means an expert on artificial intelligence. I have a mathematics background, I have a degree in mathematics, but I couldn't build you an AI model. However, as chairman of the Transhumanist Party, I have conversed with many AI experts and I have seen the outputs of uh, certain uh, artificial intelligence systems. And I have to say my view is they are quite impressive. They are not the same as human creative output. And I don't believe that they are going to endanger human creativity in any way. I hold the view that human creation and AI creation are going to be complementary in the future. They're going to reinforce one another and build on one another and help humans become even more creative and original than they could have been otherwise. So those are my introductory remarks, but uh, I'm happy to elaborate if you have any questions.
0: Very interesting. Well, I want to get uh, both Chris and Paul on this. Paul, I think this is the first time you've ever spoken to uh, Genari, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this uh handshaking between the uh, humans and the ai when it comes to creativity can we work together or do you see one kind of winning out
1: yeah i i I kind of agree with that where it's like i i i have i've I've seen the agi or the uh you know i'll believe when i see it i think it might happen but i I think it's a little harder of a problem people think also but but i do agree that i think the ai uh like for for me like the background i have and like The stuff I've seen is like um, people will use uh, basically machine learning and and AI stuff for uh, basically copywriting and basically making the the scaffolding for, uh, you know, content, whether it's writing or something like like a like a a landing page or something and then edit it. And like like uh, like Janati said, basically using it as like hand in hand, pretty much. It's a tool, right? It's a you know, it does like make work that is kind of used for a certain type of project. Um, you kind of use uh, you know you don't you it's kind of like rote learning at a certain point so you still have to do it but it's not like creative it's basically like all right you have to do this this and this to set up the whatever you're making as the base um, it's almost like if you're like a painter and you're you basically you have an assistant who sets up the the canvas and he sets out your um, your paintbrush and your, your 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 paint and that sort of stuff prior to you getting there it's like similar to that you know you're the one doing the painting at the end of the day but they're they're getting the supplies and they're getting it Arranged in a manner for you to uh, make stuff. So yeah, I, I definitely agree. That's the, um, I think that's the most feasible for like the positive generative uses of AI at this point.
0: What would you say are the uh, negative generative uses? Like Gennady, I know that you are a big uh, transhumanist aficionado, obviously, but if you were to play devil's advocate and see where exactly artificial intelligence, both in the creative sense, or in any other sense, would be able to rob humans of their own willpower, which is something that I also want to talk to you about a little bit later. What do you see that being?
4: Yes, and that is an interesting question. To preface my answer, I will make a statement that I have often repeated, and that is we should be less afraid of the smart algorithms of the future and more afraid of the dumb algorithms of today. Or as my friend, Dr. Jose Cordero likes to say, the real problem in our time is not artificial intelligence, it's human stupidity. And sometimes in terms of the human decisions of how AI is applied, humans do not properly estimate the scope of the tool that they're using. And they may attribute certain powers to this tool that this tool does not have, or they may embed it in a certain decision-making framework that wouldn't make sense anyway. So uh, my greatest concern with AI today is the use of any sort of autonomous killing system. So uh, that would be, for instance, a drone, which instead of being flown by a human operator, even a remote human operator, has some sort of targeting algorithm and automatically decides to fire a missile without any human intervention now clearly that is not an artistic ai that is a murderous ai you could say Uh, but the problem with that sort of system is that the algorithm is inherently limited in its ability to always reliably identify true positives so the algorithm could be programmed to identify 95% of terrorist gatherings accurately. But a wedding party in Afghanistan could have some similar characteristics, similar circumstantial attributes to a terrorist gathering. And this is even happened with human operators, but if the AI system learns from the best human operators, it could still internalize decision rules that would lead it to uh, exercise an attack because of false positives. So the overly broad and simplistic application of AI algorithms in situations where human discretion is still required is the most negative possibility that I see today and in the near-term future. As the algorithms become smarter and more refined and more discerning, the possibility of false positives will actually decline. So as with a lot of other phenomena, I would say we are living through the most dangerous period in human history right now, and the most problematic period in human history. But in terms of art, There are still limitations to AI systems. And to understand those limitations, one has to look at a system like Dolly 2, which is quite impressive. You could put in a text prompt and it will generate a bunch of images that seem to be quite relevant to the prompt. However, there's still the role of human curation in those images. The best Dolly 2 images that you have seen were selected from an assortment of uh, many images that the system generated and some human being looked at them and decided, well, this one looks uncannily like how I would have created uh, this type of scene or how a great artist I can think of uh, might've created this kind of scene. And yes, a human might be surprised by what this machine created, but if, Say 20% of these images were not so representative or nonsense or had some sort of uh, assemblage of eyes mixed in uh, with what is supposed to be a cityscape, which we know these yeah, like the, AI uh, systems can do.
0: Dog, dog snouts, for instance. You've seen a lot of dog right. snouts, a lot of birds, and a lot of these. Uh, what was it? Not uh, the new one, but the Google Dream. Uh, what is it? Deep yeah, Dream? Yeah. Or it... Yeah, yes, dream the AI Deep Dream uh, yeah. AI.
4: And what these systems do is they recombine elements from a vast database that they have access to, and they learn patterns and associations among those elements, but sometimes they can do something weird. And their creativity arises in part from their ability to do something weird and combine elements that humans wouldn't ordinarily think of. But if we want that AI to create something more realistic, more representational, something that doesn't uh, look like an odd dream where various elements blend into one another, then human curation is really helpful for that purpose, because a human interacting with the AI would be able to say, well, This is more like an actual landscape that you could see in the real world and walk around in. it doesn't have any eyes or snouts. And furthermore, when these systems are developed, you can bet that they involve some human curation as well, some human testers giving feedback Mm. at various stages in order to adjust the parameters of the system Mm. so that it gives more realistic outputs or outputs that humans would be better able to identify with.
0: I mean, to be fair, when I walk around the park, I sometimes see eyes and like those holes in the trees. You know, there's all kinds of things that look like other things. I think that there's People a word for th- from trees. Yes, saying? exactly. I think that there's a word for that. I go to the gym. I look at the workout equipment. It looks like a face. Anyway, I'm not going to get into all that right now. But when it comes to the AI. Getting to such a point that it considers us to, you know, like I understand we were talking about creativity, artwork, and that's interesting. But you could also say that war is artwork using human blood. You know, like it's it's a very dark type of artwork. And the question is, when it comes to war in the future being done by these machines, what if they decide that we're the enemy? What if they decide that humanity must be stopped because we are inefficient? Because we make all these petty arguments amongst each other and kill all uh, all of ourselves all the time, then, but it's, you it's, know, it's, enough with it this. Is, it's
1: not, it's not, Um. it really is like a tool. It's like basically you put in data and you. it's until you get to the point where, and I, I'm, I'm skeptical if we'll get to that point. It, it's because it, the thing is like human motivations for stuff is like I'm hungry or I'm uncomfortable mm. or I want something. It's, it's like a chemical basis for some imbalance that we're trying to balance out all the time. And that just, that drives, that essentially drives behavior, whether it's, you know, oh, I'm hungry, oh, I want to have sex, oh, I, you know, I'm lonely, oh, I'm bored, or I'm angry. Uh, whereas with a machine, unless you, like, basically make it a, um, unless you're, you're going out of your way to, like, make a very arbitrary and, and fake synthetic version of, like, a psychological system that has, like, wants and needs that propel people to do things, uh, I don't think you really have to worry about that sort of thing. Like okay, it's not, and at the end of the day, just say like the just say like the artificial intelligence does does become self-aware and he, for some reason hates humans are just like you Just walk over well to, i wouldn't say it, it hate i would job. say
3: yeah I, I
0: wouldn't say hate i would say sees humans as being this inefficient thing that doesn't really compute in their grand narrative of how yeah. a species should act i don't know chris is this just like in the realm of sci-fi this isn't really something that we should uh, uh worry ourselves about because elon musk seems to be uh concerned about ai he may be concerned about it for a different reason do you know like what his reasoning is and in general, what your thoughts are on that whole, you know, kill all humans, uh, robot stereotype that I'm talking about?
2: Yeah. Um, I, I think actually I, am pretty much aligned with Elon Musk on this. Like, I think Elon Musk's, uh, uh, thinking is that it's AGI is inevitable fairly soon. Um, next 30 years, but it could be anytime. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he, I think he sort of like me hopes and could see reasons why it might be okay. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, really it's an, un, it's to some degree an unknown quantity, right? I, I think the idea that it will wipe us out terminate the style is, is, um, I, I mean, if it's, if it's too dumb, then, uh, like Gennady said, you know, that's the risk, right? Um, or if it's been programmed to do it by us, uh, you know, that's, that's a risk, right? But a really smart AI, I, I mean, we, it, I think by the time we get AGI, and we're almost there now, uh, in terms of like, it doesn't actually take that many resources to keep humans alive, not when you compare it to the the universe at large, or the solar system, or even the earth, really. So, uh, I mean, an, an, an AGI, a super intelligent AGI, like, it's, it's going to keep us around if it can. The only time, the only reason it might get rid of us is if we threaten it. I think, um, but it, it makes a lot of sense on, on many levels to keep us around. Um, partly for all that unknown, unknown uh, evolved, um, you know, information that, that's 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 present in us. I mean, we are humans are information in, you know, information in flow. We're, we're information that's moving. Um, through time and space and, and has been for a very long time Like it would be very very difficult to replace us by uh, simulation or you know very very difficult uh, even a, a super intelligent AI without completely simulating the solar system could not replace us so it makes perfect sense to keep us around um, uh, as long as we're not threatening it um, which we probably wouldn't be within a few hours of a, of a super intelligent a, AGI popping up um, so, I don't I don't see a smart AI wiping us out. Um, I, I think uh, you know, Dali Two is not perfect, but uh, really, I mean, and what it is doing, like other people said, is is that it's uh, taking all of the art that's been done before, um, and it, it's it's spotting patterns in how how it's combined and relating it back to words, and then you're able to you know put your words through the filter it's created, and and it can generate these things. I, So it's not the highest level of creativity, but, you know, my opinion, it it is the creativity that most humans uh, are engaged in. You know, so, for example, for me, in in my kind of day job uh, making games, uh, I could probably ask Dali. I could show Dali to um, a couple of models that we want to put in the game for enemies, say, and say, you know, make me a 100 more using different animals as a base or something like that and it would instantly produce all those for me um would save me a huge amount of time I could do that with a, an artist I could ask an artist to do it but I'd have to pay them um and uh, uh and I might not like the result right but so it would be hugely useful for me you know like like Paul said um and it, and I mean AI is already being used uh to help programming for example things like Copilot pilots and, and other other things um can, can sort of Guess what you're going to program next, and I think, unfortunately, maybe for me, I think we're getting to the point where the next version of Dali might well be able to just program up a game if I described it in words. Um, mm. I also think, uh, I think we're getting close to where Dali could read a novel and produce, you know, fifty different versions of the Hollywood movie in you know half an hour, and but you'd still have to choose one, right? You'd have to choose one, but we can have another uh, another another ai which uh, chooses them right and it, it could you know the ai could be trained on a data set of people choosing the best movies right and, and it might well become better at choosing movies to to uh, you know release them mm. a human would so I, I don't i don't really see a limit on well, where where it can go
0: there's a very interesting thing you brought up which i wanted to eventually get to if we're talking about entertainment not just art but entertainment that people consume are you guys all familiar with uh, this thing that occurred a, a couple of years ago called Elsa Gate? Yep, yep. All right, Paul, you know, Janati, do you know Elsa Gate? I am not familiar with that incident. Okay, Chris, do you know Elsa Gate?
2: Don't know it by that name, but I can kind of guess what it might have been by the name, but I'll let you tell, tell us. Okay,
0: that. so Elsa Gate was the situation where on YouTube there were these uh, producers of content that got their videos to millions and millions of kids just by putting out the right combination of things according to certain keywords. So, for example, they would have people dressed up in Spider-Man outfits and the Hulk outfit and the princess outfits, and they'd be, you know, playing like, you know, like an entertainment for little kids. But then for some reason, they were bringing in things like uh, abortion, Needles, you know, all kinds of weird things that had nothing to do at all with uh, these characteristics, but for some reason, maybe it was because of the artificial intelligence, I don't know, these were the things that were chosen by these producers to put out, and it worked really effectively on the algorithm, and uh, this probably, I don't know, like Paul... Do you think that something like that would screw around with a child's head, like yeah, seeing? Yeah, like...
1: yeah, it was basically them. Like, basically, they're optimizing for whatever algorithmic like uh, selection for to get in front of kids, because then they could sell. You know, basically farming AdSense, pretty much. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, that definitely, definitely. Uh, I'm sure people got disturbed by. It. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've, I, if, I feel like I probably did, like if a kid watched it, like some of them would get messed up by, it, but most of them probably just, like turn it off. Like, what is this? You know, I'm not sure. Mm. I, I don't know enough
3: about kids to.
0: The reason why I bring it up is that there seems to be a lot of entertainment, like not even with the needles and all all kinds of weird stuff, but just like the basics having really bad color design. For example, if you look at a, uh, let's see, I got, oh, I got a lot of good books here. But for example, oh, here, here, Spirited Away. So for example, if you look at the quality of this, you know, this is like for kids too. It's for adults as well. But Spirited Away has these incredibly beautiful illustrations like really top-notch color design when you compare this like seeing this to seeing the Elsa gate stuff which is still out there just not like with the needles but it's still out there in terms of very stupidly drawn characters really bad colors you know like very bright overly saturated colors to get the kids attention Things like this, I think, contribute to like a lowering of standards. I even see it in like the Nick Jr. shows, like Dora the Explorer, you know, things of that nature. It seems like these things, maybe their intention wasn't to dumb people down, but it just seems like the more you stare at things like that, the more the dumber you end up being. I don't know. That could just be my own bias, but the reason why I bring that up is that that seems to be like the lowest common denominator stuff. And how much would entertainment in the future go into that idiocracy mode, go into Hmm. that whole lowest common denominator? So I don't know. Yes, well, this reminds me
4: of the discussion of the dumb algorithms of today combined with human stupidity in blindly selecting for what people think is optimized by the algorithms without any connection to real-world meaning or how a rational being would interpret that content. And this often exists in various domains. I call it the black box mentality, where a lot of people, especially people who are not mathematically trained, perceive an AI system or even a simpler predictive model, a rule based predictive model that just uses complex math as somehow being uniquely insightful and even omniscient to the point of being unchallengeable and they think well if this sophisticated mathematical system tells us x then we had better do x because this is a cutting edge system that optimizes for everything and you would be surprised at how many people hold that view that is not an accurate or nuanced way to deploy ai or any sort of tool It is just the result of human ignorance interfacing with the limited tools that we have today. Uh, Now, I will also say I agree with Chris's comments that a Terminator scenario would be highly unlikely, even though I do think AGI, Artificial General Intelligence, is possible within the next several decades. Of course, timeframes differ, but somewhere between 2030 and 2050, I think it is, I would say a greater than 50% probability that we would see some sort of AGI system that could jump across domains. However, consider that intelligence is not necessarily correlated with power. Uh, If it were, then we wouldn't have the idiocracy type of situation that you described, Lev. In fact, a lot of the greatest minds in human history were surprisingly fragile or limited in their ability to accomplish change. Think about Stephen Hawking, one of the most intelligent men who ever lived. And yet he spent the last 50 years of his life because of his ALS diagnosis in a wheelchair, where by the end of his life, he could essentially uh, only communicate with a twitch of his lip. And he had to be connected to a lot of sophisticated computer equipment, which would transform those twitches into, uh, first of all, words on a screen, and then there would be a program that would read them out. How so, how do
0: we know that was him? By the way, what if it was like somebody that was uh, punking everybody, like everybody <laughs> thought that it was that well, it was talking, while meanwhile somebody just behind the scenes like writing? Into
4: I'm going to assume it was him because of Occam's Razor. I don't have any evidence to the contrary, uh, but I will say it is highly likely that the first AGI systems will be just as fragile or more so, especially when they're first developed. They will be at the limit of human technological capabilities. So it's likely they will need to be stored on some massive computer servers somewhere uh, where these supercomputers will require extensive maintenance. And if some human technician decides to disconnect the server, well, that's it for that particular AI. That particular AI would have to be very effective at persuading humans that it has reached a certain level of sophistication, and perhaps a certain level of sentience that they would be reluctant to disconnect it. So actually, those early AI systems will have more to fear from humans than humans will have to fear from those early AI systems. And one of the areas where the Transhumanist Party has been active has been a proactive discussion on when those entities might achieve sentience and when they might be deserving of a certain level of recognition for their rights, so that they wouldn't just be ar- arbitrarily shut off uh, because uh, someone finds them to be, uh, say, too much of a burden on the server resources. If you have an AGI, you have to seriously consider well, to what extent is this an autonomous being, a different being from us, but nonetheless, one. Uh, whose rights and prerogatives we should respect. And that, in turn, would help avoid a Terminator scenario. It would help avoid a situation where the AI systems see us as being hostile Mm. and then react
0: accordingly. Very interesting. And this touches on the question of what it means to be a human, which I wanted to uh, get to. So, Paul, I don't know if you are a man of faith, if you are a spiritual man. What do you think of humanity as far as what a human being is in your estimation i guess the bigger question you know like why are we here but like how you would define what exactly it means to exist to be mm-hmm. alive in your in your best uh, uh guess
1: yeah so that that kind of goes back to what what what? how, how do you pronounce it? is it gennady what Genadi. Gen- Gen- well in russian high it high. would
0: be a uh, gennady stolyar второй oh, i can't
1: do that so i'll say <laughs> um yeah, like back to the to the the point he was making with the, with the AGI. Like that I think that's like a big assumption people make with the in general. It's like the reason people are people is like I said it's like there's there's a desire, there's desire, there's there's discomfort, there's like hunger, you know, being cold, being wet, wanting to be warm, being too hot, you know, being angry, being jealous, uh, all that stuff, uh, you know, affection, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, there's there certain I think people when they think of AGI they what if there was a machine? But, uh-oh, that's not as far oh, okay. as I can tell. You there? Yes. Yes. All right. You're here. All right. Yeah, but like people think of like artificial intelligence or AGI more specifically as basically what if it was a person, but it's inside of, instead of a person, it's inside a computer, and I think that's really kind of wrong because, like I said, I, I don't like the reason we have emotions like i think what makes people people is number one it's like the consciousness or pseudo consciousness depending on how you want to put it but it might as well just be consciousness because it's, it's better than anybody any other animals um the like humans like we are, we are defined by like oh like oh i want to either prove myself or i want to fit in or i want to do something i have curiosity uh, that, that's something that i think um you could make an emulation of that and, and even in video games a very simple ai you know you make you know a state system where it's like looking it's searching it's seeing the it's seeing the person so it's, it's searching a certain range for a certain amount of time or it has certain characteristics certain variables that are put into it uh, when it's generated or whatever um and you can you can emulate certain things but in terms of like agi and that sort of thing i don't i don't really see that um i see really agi is if if it's ever feasible more of a sort of like uh, an oracle where you put in questions and or you put in like uh, you know you put in data for some purpose and you describe your purpose and it, it pops out whatever answer or reasoning but as far as humans yeah well, i'd say humans is, is imperfections and irrationalities really make people human because you know if everything was perfect if everybody had what they wanted nobody would do anything because you're, you're you're content uh really not being content and really wanting stuff that you don't have also misvaluing things um you know like you know when, when people when somebody trades something for something else like they obviously think they're getting the better deal. If they didn't think they're getting the better deal, they wouldn't trade. Uh, I think really irrationality and uh, emotions and kind of the you know the the need to eat, the need to have somewhere to sleep, the need to uh, for most people have you know uh, social connections. That's really what makes people human. For that so, like hmm. in terms of uh, you know uh, the, the things that make us different. Also like the, the self awareness or the, the recursive thinking, uh, the recursive cognition of you know oh I'm thinking about this. Why am I thinking about this? You know. And then, you know, that sort of analysis is kind of lacking, I think, as far as I can tell, in other, other species.
4: Well, I have a bit of a different point of view and that I don't think we're defined by our limitations. Uh, we as humans, as Homo sapiens, certainly are defined by our biology in the sense that we are biological beings. We're also defined by our rational faculty mm-hmm. and our self-awareness, which a lot of other species lack. However... To say that our irrationality, our limitations in that ability or the other limits that we struggle against and are often defeated by, and certainly most of our ancestors have been defeated by in some form or another, Uh, certainly every person who was born prior to 1904 now unfortunately has been defeated by something that doesn't define us in terms of essential attributes of being human in the sense that you could conceive of everything positive about humans our ability to interact with the world in an intelligent way our ability to perceive existence to uh, experience the world through our senses to build something to create something none of that requires suffering none of that requires the kinds of uh, tremendous limitations that nature has imposed upon us so one essential part of what some may consider human nature is the desire to transcend those limits and this is where the term transhumanism comes into the conversation. So transhumanism is about us using our inherent human capabilities, our rationality to design technologies that liberate us from the limitations that happened to be present when we came into this world. And already humankind has achieved a lot in terms of at least pushing those boundaries outward quite a bit. So in the Paleolithic era, Typical life expectancy for most people was in the teens, and that's because they died of various accidents, diseases, warfare with nearby tribes. And now most people in the so-called developed, still underdeveloped world can expect to live into their 70s or 80s. That is progress. And while there are still a lot of shortcomings, we have been able, as is amply documented, to become a less violent species over time, to engage in higher level reasoning over time on a society wide level to build institutions that are more robust than Paleolithic tribes have been. And there's no reason why this improvement needs to stop here. Uh, We are dealing with some temporary, I hope, setbacks during the past seven years or so. But through applied rationality, we can overcome them. And I would say being human requires this recognition of open-ended possibility as well. We don't have to be slaves to these biological limitations. Well,
0: before I get to uh, Chris, uh, I want to do a little bit of a back and forth with you and Paul because I would love for you, Gennadi just to describe how you see the future as far as people being able to live without these particular limitations that Paul outlined. Like, Could you uh, guide us through it?
4: Yes. So in terms of our ability to overcome these limitations, we need a convergence of technologies that are currently in development. AI is one of those technologies, but biotechnology as applied to medicine is another one. And automation is a third technology as applied to manufacturing or even exploration of other worlds. So the convergence of Artificial intelligence, biotechnology, information technology, nanotechnology as well, which would enable us to manipulate matter at very small scales, would enable us to fix the damage to our own bodies, augment ourselves through artificial organs as well as brain enhancements so that we wouldn't be strictly distinct from AI. We could have capabilities of AI integrated directly into our minds. And as a result, we would be able to process information much more effectively than humans do today. We might be able to overcome the cognitive biases and irrational emotions that humans have today, which is particularly important because those are the elements that are holding back our progress. It's not for want of technical skill that we are in the situation that uh, much of the world faces today. It is actually because We have such primitive hardware in our brains and we have largely medieval or early modern institutions and we have much more advanced machines that are, however, being deployed in service of uh, those primitive uh, motivations and impulses within our brains. So the real breakthroughs are going to come when we can align our own minds and elevate our rational capabilities in order to reflect the new reality in which we find Mm. ourselves
0: and the technological potential that that reality offers Mm. Paul, uh, any comment? I wanted Janati uh, to get a little bit more in detail about mm-hmm. how that exactly looks. Like, let's say you go forward in time, cryogenically frozen or whatever, and you see this new world. How exactly do you see people acting without those limits? I don't know, Paul, if you want to respond before that yeah. or Janati? Yeah, okay. yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, I was just say... So i i am coming from a different point of view i, I there's certain elements of what you're saying which I, I agree with i think i think yeah like you're you're when you first respond to me with the um you know because i was pretty much focused on the irrationalities and kind of like the negative emotions there are positive emotions that cause human nature to you know strive for things build cool things that's sort where of they express themselves but we're we're i think and this is why you know, i'm not a trans transhumanist is um you know i i don't know i, I think people should die um i think it's uh, i think living forever is a bad thing to be honest um But I also think that I don't know. For me, like, what gives my life purpose and what gives me uh, meaning is overcoming things, and and uh, it's it's almost like a Nietzschean type of thing, but it's not to that level because he kind of went insane. Um, The I I don't I don't really see the benefit. I don't I don't understand why somebody would want to live forever. You know, like you know, I've had relatives die, and it's sad, but it's like uh, yeah, it's like okay, you're dead. I'm going to live my life. I think I think there's a there's a there's a positive aspect to not living forever. Where if if you you know if you're if your people who came before you are always there right if you if you're born and all of a sudden um you know every single ancestor is there it's like it's like you're not your own person because you're pretty much living in the shadow of these people have been around for x y amount x y z amount of time before you and always under their thumb pretty much and i think i don't know I, for me that you know i'm not too worried about cause i don't i'm not sure if it's really feasible uh but also it's just i, I don't really get the the positive aspect to it you know i'm fine when, when i die i die and i'm totally fine with that and i think i think there are a lot of people who should die like deserve to die but also like i think having death as a kind of natural limiter and a kind of a soft reset for uh generations and for biology and for dna different different like uh, lines of dna is, is a good thing because it uh it provides kind of instability in the, in the way where stuff doesn't get become a uh, very very strong caste system because through through death and through chaos and through um instability and irrational irrationality i think you know, uh, over time, you know, it's not perfect. Obviously, there's there's periods that are bad, but generally speaking, it, it, it helps level the playing field where it is is, it it is more of a meritocracy than if everyone's around all the time. There's no sick, sickness, no death. It, it seems kind of, to me, like it would be resulting in kind of almost like a Elysium type of insanity, uh, like horrible, weird, uh, strange things. Like, well, I guess the thing is like if you don't die, what, what's even the point of living?
4: <laughs> well, the point of living is to live, but uh, I think this is the source of our disagreement because death is the destruction of precious irreplaceable individual universes. And they're never going to recur all of the experiences, sensations, thoughts, emotions, contributions of that person are gone. Even if that person is remembered and very few people are remembered for, uh, longer than two or three generations Mm -hmm. after they die. But all of that irreplaceable world is lost. And to that person, it is as if one had never existed. So I would say that's not a soft reset. That's the worst possible fate. And there's no reason why meritocracy cannot be humane Uh, there's no reason why people cannot expand in directions that others have not expanded in because of again human creativity we come back to it so uh, let's say you're even born on a planet which is entirely inhabited and the earth is far from that Mm -hmm. you can go to Mars you can uh, colonize the ocean you can build new structures that others haven't thought of and furthermore uh, I would say it is extremely important to acknowledge that each human is valuable in him or herself. Uh, There is no external goal that is so worthwhile as to sacrifice these precious individual universes for. That's not a soft reset. That's the hardest and cruelest reset that you could imagine. It's just the situation we happen to find ourselves in because we face these biological limitations. Our organisms wear out over time. Other organisms from other species don't have the same ways by which they wear out. So there are some animals that do not senesce, like giant tortoises, for instance. There are creatures that can live uh, for several hundred years. There have been Greenland sharks found uh, who live for longer than 500 years. And if they Mm. can do it, uh, why can't we? So... Those are just some basic points in favor of indefinite human life extension, but I would say there is no way in which the existence of somebody else limits ultimately what I can do if enlightened rational self-interest is taken into consideration. Uh, There's no necessary conflict of interest among rational individuals if they perceive the world as positive sum rather than zero sum or negative sum because my gain doesn't have to be somebody else's loss that's why we have these minds that's why we have these rational faculties we can innovate and each build something that produces enough uh, of what we want or what we desire Uh, and Furthermore, uh, to the point about boredom uh, or lack of purpose or lack of meaning, if one were to live indefinitely, there are still problems to struggle against. If you want challenges to struggle uh, against, consider existential risks to humanity. Consider the risks of an asteroid impact or a super volcano or a solar flare, another Carrington event. Consider the risks facing humanity with weapons of mass destruction uh, that unfortunately, uh, are only going to increase in terms of human capability to uh, deploy those weapons. Consider the challenges of colonizing other worlds or other galaxies, or if there is going to be a time when uh, our planet or our solar system or our galaxy are going to cease to exist, how are we going to overcome those challenges? So there will always be Aspects to struggle against because the maintenance of our lives is never going to be on autopilot. It's never going to be guaranteed. What we transhumanists are speaking of is indefinite life extension. It's not indestructibility. It's just not having a fixed upper bound, but we are going to face challenges. So if you want a life of struggle, if you want a life of constant self-improvement, we are not saying there will ever be a static state of perfection we are Mm -hmm. saying uh there will always be new problems to solve we just don't want to be stuck with the same old insurmountable problems that uh our ancestors faced and were defeated by because that's not an interesting world Uh, frankly i can already foresee what's going to happen to every human being uh, in that kind of status quo and it's not inspiring Uh, it's not even aesthetically pleasing or calming uh, to any person who actually understands what happens with aging and disease and death
1: yeah yeah i i just saying uh i think another kind of di- difference in perspective is probably resulting in a different uh, point of view with this sort of stuff is for me I, I kind of think of people as carriers of like dna pretty much we're just basically we're basically vehicles for dna so like the part of me that matters, you know, obviously my personal enjoyment of certain things or experiences that sort of thing, in my personal life, in my in the lifespan or whatever, it matters. But for me, it's it's more the, you know, my DNA combining somebody else's DNA to create some other creature that has, you know, passes down the DNA that sort of thing. I, I'm more interested. I kind of see that as we're kind of carriers for DNA. And it's like, yeah, like if I die, but if I have kids or whatever, um you know that my DNA is still around. It's just it's morphed into something else with with somebody else's DNA. So I'm not too worried about you know when it's my time to go. It's my time to go, and even if I don't have kids, it's fine too. It's, that's the end of my DNA strand or whatever. Um, but yeah, for for me, it's it's it's. Uh, I think another thing too is uh, I, I'm not the the positive some negative some game thing. I don't really agree with. I think um, I don't know. I, f- I feel like if you went went to like Detroit or Miami Dade County or. Um, troy new york or or places or like uh africa now uh, you probably would, would come with a different uh you'd come away you know if you come away with a different understanding of everybody kind of having the same experience and not being trying to take advantage of you to be honest i
2: i agree i agree with um you know i understand paul's uh paul's point of view here but i you know i, I mostly agree with uh janadi um you know, you're not going to lose anything as you go forward into a, a transhumanist future, right? Um, just as, you know, we are still, the, we, to some extent, we're still the kind of uh, monkeys that were walking around, um, uh, you know, Africa millions of years ago. Um, you know, y- y- it's not that you're losing anything, you're just gaining, uh, you're just gaining things. So I actually... I actually don't see us really losing the the basic humanity that that we evolved to have i I think it's more you know i think we we will we will merge with agi ultimately um those of us that want to and uh you know as 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 we'll be humans going forward um you know augmented by agi as far as we want to be um and i mean the future like where i where i slightly disagree with janadi is um you know how optimistic it, it can be. I, I think what we're going to have is we're going to have longer, you know, longer periods of peace and stability, um, <clears throat> and we're going to have longer lives. But you know, we're not we're not going to live forever because um, a lot of challenges are still going to exist. Right? There's still going to be conflict between people. Um, you know, even if everybody, you know, wants peace and things something's going to happen, right? There's going to be some question that's going to be worth fighting over. Um, You know, for example, like, do we leave the solar system? Right. Uh, You know, even if we we really, really don't want to war over it, there's only two options, right? We either leave the solar system and spread into the universe or we don't. And I could see some people being absolutely adamant that we don't, um, maybe because they don't want us to spoil the universe or they don't want us to to draw attention to ourselves. Um, with other other alien species, um, and I can totally see a lot of people wanting to uh, expand beyond the solar system, keep the species going, explore the universe, um, you know, and, and move forward. With humanity. That's the kind of situation where you can have a really nasty war, right? Because everybody feels that uh, something absolutely fundamental is on the line, and and I can see a lot of a lot of um, situations like that. So. You know, I I think, uh, although you probably will, most people will live significantly longer, and some people might live, you know, a very long time, uh, there's going to be a lot of struggle. um, Unfortunately, I don't really see, yeah, as I say, I see like, like longer periods between conflict, like we've had since World War Two, we've had a longer period of of without conflict, I'm, I'm pretty worried about uh, what's going on at the moment, I could absolutely see the situation we're in spiraling into World War Three. Hopefully, not nuclear, but I wouldn't rule it out. So, um, uh, you know, I, I see an extension of that. Right? I, although humans may think faster in the future, so the the actual uh, time between conflicts in in uh, in the real world might be uh, like not as long as we'd hope. Um, but but from our perception as transhumanists, uh, transhumans rather, uh, you know, it could be a lot longer. Um, also, I, I think if you live longer, I think you're gonna change as a person, right? So, or, or at least a lot of people will. So, I know I've changed. I, I struggled to see myself um, as a child as being me, basically. I, sometimes I can, but um, you, you know, me as a seven or eight year old doesn't really quite seem like me now. And I, I could, and, and if I, if I, you know, in the future, if I'm, you know, if I went to Mars or if I be, if I became some kind of transhuman. Uh, you know, sort of a, 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 AI merged entity. Um, I think I'd still be human base, but I'd have all this, this extra ability. And I think over time, you, you know, you change, you're a different person. You, you know, all all the uh, matter in your body is replaced. What every seven years they say. So, you know, you're, you're a different person. Um, I think, uh, you know, and I think people will still have children. I think having children's super important. Um, I totally agree with Paul on that and people will do it. I think it might become actually more important than it's been in the past. Uh, I think we're going to have a a period where uh, there's a bit of a lull in having children. Mm. But I think as people are freed up from work, it'll actually become more important, not less important. Well,
0: there's an interesting thing there, where rich people are having more children, and poor people are having more children, the middle class, having less children, So I don't know exactly. Yeah.
2: Well, they're too busy, right? So, I mean, uh, if you're, if you're rich, if you're Elon Musk, you can have Mm -hmm. seven or eight children. Um, I, I would, I would like to have had seven or eight children, but, uh, you know, I I managed two. um, uh, and part of that's financial resources and time, right? So, I mean, I'm not to disparage the working class at all, but, um, uh, some of them have, uh, you know, maybe they have maybe they've, they're, if they're in nine to five jobs, right, they at least have uh, evening hours and off hours. Um, whereas a lot of the middle class, maybe never are really never off off work, right? Like when I worked at a corporation, mm. I basically worked 24 um, seven. And, 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 you know, if, and if you're a public intellectual, you're gonna be working 24 seven. So it's tough, right? Uh, I mean, Elon Musk, um, you know, he he's gonna have nannies and things, right? So that'd be the solution for them. So I think that would explain it. But you know, I, I'm not ruling out. I mean, I'm, I'm getting on, but I'm not ruling out if uh, medical breakthroughs can uh, hold, hold back aging or reverse it slightly it would be good. Um, I'd be ready to have more children, especially if I had the time. So uh, yeah, I think there are short term problems here, but long term, I don't see a huge mm. problem. I, I also think people may, I think transhumans may split as well. Like I can see transhumans uh, sometimes breaking into multiple people and probably in most cases merging again, but in other cases not merging. Uh, for example, I'd like to go to Mars, right? But uh, I got responsibilities here and uh, I really like walking along sandy beaches with blue skies, um, but there's part of me that would like to go to Mars. So if I if I could split myself into two, I would send one to Mars and one remain here and hopefully at some point merge in the future. But perhaps mm. we, we wouldn't merge. Right. And, uh, you know, so uh, that's but so, another way, yeah.
0: But even that, like, to me, I'll be honest, that's a little bit freaky. Not to yes, say that yes. that's not possible, but it makes your consciousness and who you are seem very fuzzy. Because when I'm talking about consciousness, I mean... I am me. I am this entity that is able to hear, see, think. And sure, you could say that when I'm in an inebriated state, I think slightly differently. The gut flora also makes me perceive things differently. But at the end of the day, when I wake up in the morning, I'm still going to be around the same uh, body. And if I am split into two, then that's two beings that are having an independent experience of being conscious so the question is which one which one is experiencing because i can't really experience at least i don't think i can experience two different lives in one time so well i, think, yeah. the, well, I just i just want to get to the specific uh, point here that also has to do with computers technology and ai there was a uh, podcast episode I saw on Joe Rogan's show with Michio Kaku, where Michio Kaku's idea of immortality was, well, we could just take the consciousness of the human being, like we could just record all the synapse connections and all that, and put that into a machine, and voila, you have an immortal human being. To me, I don't consider that to be the case. I don't know about Paul, uh, yourself, Chris, or Gennati. Can,
2: can I, sure. I address that one? Actually, a lot of thought. Um, I mean. Uh as I said, I, you know, the the atoms in your body are changing every seven years, right over slowly over time, and your consciousness is, uh, you know, uh, well, at least I believe it is like, it's whatever it's doing, it's kind of creeping over those new, uh, the new matter, right? So you are transferring from one substrate to another over time. So I don't so probably I, I mean, I'd want to ask AGI, a superhuman AGI before I did this myself, but probably, uh, if you can Move to new matter in a biological way. You could also do it, um, you know, to silicon um, as well. So uh, you maybe would do it slowly initially, right? Like, you know, I think I'd still be me if I replaced one of my neurons with a, a microchip, right? Uh, what if I replace a hundred, a thousand, half of them, right? And and uh, if I do it slowly enough, um, I it would be a smooth uh, process, right? and 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 slow is relative right because once you've done it slowly and you're confident you could just do it really fast right and and once you've got it on silicon you could copy it and maybe you would do that slowly as well right so that there's um so you uh, for a while there's like communication um, and and then you could you could do two experiences at the same time um, and if that sounds too sad because you know one no, of is gone but, off, m- you could recombine later no but if, which if one's experience
0: No, but which one's experiencing it? They're
2: both. They're both you, and if they come back together, they were always you. I I think.
0: No, no, no. Hold on. I I have an issue with this. (laughs) I don't know, Paul. I I I do as well,
2: actually. Uh, I have an essay from
4: 2010 entitled "How Can I Live Forever? What Does and Does Not Preserve the Self," and there are many aspects of what Chris said that I agree with, including the possibility of the preservation of the self, or what I call I-ness, which is one's sense that one is oneself and not another person, and the continuity of that experience, through changes in one's physical state, just as one's biological atoms can get replaced, it's possible to graft on artificial components as long as they're integrated into the continuous process which is one's own existence. If there's a discontinuity, like destructive mind uploading or assembling a copy alongside the original individual, uh, those would be different. Even though looking back, they might have similar memories. And if you talk to one of those people, uh, they would say, well, sure. I'm the original person. However, from the standpoint of the person who died or was dematerialized in some way, that person prospectively would no longer be conscious. Now, if you were to split uh, a person into two, essentially the one uh, who continue to have the physical continuity either through the original components or components replaced incrementally in a ship of Theseus fashion, that would be the original person whose inus is perpetuated. And hopefully there is such an original person. The copy that is made of different physical matter would still be a person, still perhaps have a similar outlook on the world Still have similar memories if the process had high fidelity but leading them to come back together in some way i think would pose the risk of destroying the individualities of uh at least one of those now distinct sentient beings so i think it is definitely a question that requires continued exploration in order to do this the right way and preserve the I-ness of every individual. So if you do transfer the mind onto another substrate, it's important to have a gradual enough process so that the existing consciousness is not interrupted. And then if you make another instance, another sentient being, I think you could do that in certain circumstances, especially if it's voluntary or authorized by the original individual or the original individual is no longer alive. Like if you want to bring back a high fidelity version of Leonardo da Vinci or Thomas Jefferson and you have enough information to, in some hypothetical future, reconstruct Their brains, either biologically or digitally, it may be worthwhile to do that for the benefit Mm. of humanity. I would like to interact with someone who is very similar to Thomas Jefferson or Benjamin Franklin, but mm. the original Thomas Jefferson or Benjamin Franklin, unfortunately, would not uh, have the experience of interacting with me.
0: Well, not only the experience part, and I want to get to Paul's uh, take on this as well, but not just the experience part, but also it goes back to the question of what is consciousness, what is a human being? Because the other view, which uh, I don't think that you guys would agree with me on, but that would be the view of the body that we have being more of like a radio receiver, where the actual signal of the radio is not something that you'll be able to find in the radio itself. You know, the singer's voice that's going through the radio. If you smash a radio up, you're not going to be able to find the singer in there. So that's more of the analogy of how I see the possibility of consciousness being, where consciousness may be a phenomenon that is outside of whatever we are experiencing. And it doesn't mean that it's magic or supernatural. It just means that it is we are not right now capable of seeing it when we are within this uh particular reality but i know paul where do you stand on that uh, question of consciousness l- l- the hard the hard problem yeah. of science
1: yeah i think part i think part of it is uh just inefficiency. i think part of it is the brain and also the, the gut the gut brain axis or connection basically through the spine the gut does actually send signals to release uh chemicals to the brain and vice versa um I think there's there's a lot of uh, I think it's probably a problem with AGI that people haven't figured out yet. Is there's I think there's some entropy involved in back and forth communication and imperfection that actually results in uh, something that approaches consciousness or is related to consciousness. But also, I think it's 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 one of those things where so I'm, I I do I do believe in uh, the the uh, non-material and I feel like there's stuff that we are not really aware of that's real and connected to humans. But I'm also of the opinion where that might be wrong and if that's wrong, it can be proven. Um, so it's like, I don't mean against. if you want to try to do that, if it works, then that, that kind of disproves the, the theory of, oh, there's like some soul or something. And I think that's a good thing if people can can do that, you know, if, 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 if they can do that, if it doesn't work, then it, it doesn't matter what they do. So I'm not really worried, worried about that either way. And if they can do it, then that disproves the thing. And then, you know, then you can move on. from there. I,
0: I can give you this example, at least how I see it in you my know. head. Imagine you have like a half deflated balloon. And you put your finger through the balloon, and then somebody else puts their f- finger through that balloon. The only experience you would have within that balloon world is touching something that feels like rubbery. It feels balloon-like. Yeah, it's the outline of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, I would kind of say, is the analogy of our existence here, where we are interacting through this particular thing that we know and uh love and cherish which is the reality that we know as far as what is out there that's always what makes me curious and what never makes me think that oh the science is settled on what exactly this whole thing is about i consider it to be a challenge to like explore yeah. and find out what exactly is beyond whatever it is that we uh know so yeah, yeah. i don't know but uh, yeah, uh,
1: I heard yeah. From. yeah but it's like it's similar like the consciousness thing and the uh you know, and like the ship of thesis, like if we replace one board from the ship every year, is it still just the same ship? Yeah, and even like the, you know the, the cells in the body. Um, I think it, it's similar to the the question of the Are we living in a computer simulation? Right? And you know, for me, it's like, are we ma- like maybe I personally don't think so. Maybe we are, but it, functionally, if we are, does that matter functionally? No, it doesn't really actually matter. So it's like yeah, it's like it's like one of those questions where, you know, I, I'm fine with uh, I have my like with the views of like the the consciousness and that sort of thing. I think. I think there a lot of it is more biological than people think, in the sense of I think imperfection is actually uh, playing a large role here with uh, consciousness and like uh, cognition, with you know the 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 link between the gut-brain axis mm. sort of. And I think I think that's something that if we get AGI, I think it'll be related to basically building a model where you have the you know essentially the brain part, and then you also have the stomach in like some synthetic uh, version, you know, synthetic model that's kind of like two machine learning. Uh, algorithms and, and and that sort of thing uh, combined in a way that kind of simulates certain forms mm-hmm. of entropy in terms of and instabilities that sort of thing. Um, but besides yeah. that, yeah, yeah. Well,
0: I, yeah. I want to get I want to get to the stomach real fast though. I want to get back to what we were talking about when it comes to rationality because I think it does factor into the conversation about artificial intelligence. When it comes to Gennady's statement about human beings being these uh, rational agents, there was that book uh, by Jonathan Haidt, *The Righteous Mind*. I'm sure Gennady, you're familiar with. Uh, uh, yes. Yes. So in the book, uh, he comes up with the analogy of the mind working like an elephant stomping about and the rider on top, uselessly holding a pair of reins. The elephant is your subconscious mind. It crashes about all over the place, taking no notice of the rider balanced on top. The rider is your conscious mind. Your conscious mind is proud and wants to believe it controls the elephant. So wherever the elephant goes, the rider invents a reason why they really did what they uh, want to uh, go that way actually so that would be a big argument against this idea that we are these rational beings and that we're going to be able to not misuse a lot of this technology with artificial intelligence and most importantly for paul's point about immortality that we are going to find you know, once all of us live longer, this uh, very rational way of conducting ourselves as opposed to this being like, uh, you know, to play devil's advocate here, a monkey wrench thrown into what has been a much more natural way of living.
4: So I don't agree with the hypothesis that we are essentially slaves of our subconscious and we can't escape it. There could be a tension between the rational human faculty, and what height would call the subconscious, what could be impulses or evolved drives or default patterns of functioning. Sometimes we have a default pattern of functioning in certain circumstances that we have internalized because of our experience. And at one point, that pattern was the result of a conscious choice. There was for every activity, a first time we engaged in it, for every choice, a first time we decided to make that choice and not something else. And that could have been in response to some aspect of our environment. But in many respects, a lot of those initial choices are willed, and then they create perhaps certain path dependencies, certain ways in which it's easier to continue making certain choices or to not make other choices, and people internalize those as default frameworks, which they are not necessarily conscious of. So those could be contributing to the subconscious. And for some people, the subconscious is relatively more powerful. Other people have the ability to deploy their rational faculties to override that subconscious in situations where it matters. If those people are perceptive enough and say, well, I've had a kind of Habitual mode of functioning that worked in certain circumstances, which is why I've continued to do it, or it felt good, or it brought me some other experience that I desired. But in this particular situation, it is not going to have that effect. It is going to hurt me to continue behaving in that way so I can behave in a different way. And I think human beings generally tend to favor uh, modes of functioning that have gotten them to a particular point in their lives, particularly if they've lived past the age of 30, which most primitive people had not. So if they did live past the age of 30, that meant they knew enough to survive in that relatively static world. But we do have the ability to say, even past that age, we can do something differently. We can identify changes to our environment or the incentives that we face in a manner that would lead us to make different decisions than we had made or would have made previously.
2: Yeah, I I completely agree. (laughs) I can't re-add or, you know, Mm. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think uh, for some people, like you said, it's, it's stronger. um, Subconscious mind is stronger and for other people, uh, you know, less so. um, And at different times in our lives, it's different. I mean, I'm sure if a, if a tiger walked into the room, um, my subconscious mind would do most of the work. Mm. Um, no, but, but how, yeah. how
0: sure are you really that the decisions that you make that you attribute to uh, a rational mind is not just an excuse that you're making after the fact, while really it was your subconscious mind making I, that choice I, for you?
2: I, I think it's true sometimes, but I, I don't think... I think I mean, your brain is, is a whole bunch of... Um, subsystems right that come from different periods of evolution and have had minor updates on the older ones and a lot more updates on on the newer systems um you know we know the brain's a lot more complicated than most people think you know we know that you can cut it in two halves right and they're literally not communicating so you know then then what then what are you dealing with and i mean i think you know I, I've, I said before like uh, I, we're kind of riding around on a monkey um, you know I'm not sure where the elephant came from but uh, maybe you know it's the elephant in the room but um, <laughs> it, it, I think I think um, you know it, really what what you've got is a lizard brain right so you, you know you've got the lizard brain and then you've got the neocortex which is sort of where where we mostly exist but all these systems play off each other and in a really complex way that's evolved over time you know I mean sort of just summary, some of the bits I didn't address before, like, you know, we are the most optimized system in the known universe, right, as far as we know. Um, but I do think that there's nothing that prevents AGI uh, becoming equivalent to us and then going beyond it. And But I don't think we'll lose anything. I think they'll be as creative as we are. And I think we will be them if we choose to merge with them. Hmm. So, I, you know,
0: very, very interesting. I mean, one one thing I'm considering doing, I have no idea if he's going to go for it or not, but uh, Andrew Meyer, who's a friend of the show, uh, he's also uh, Jewish, he is a uh, conservative Jewish, and it would be interesting to kind of get his take uh, from a more religious perspective on this conversation, the question of free will, on the question of what it means to be a human being. I have no idea if he's uh, uh, available to come on, but I see he's in the chat over here, so if it's okay with you guys, uh, let me know.
4: Sure. And I will say on the subject of free will, I am a complete materialist, but I consider free will to exist because like consciousness or the sense of self free will is an emergent property from material phenomena. So uh, with a certain configuration of matter that interacts with other material components in certain ways, you have a process that is consciousness and you have a process that is volition where that configuration of matter in totality is able to respond to the world in more dynamic, less predictable ways than a rock or a chair. And even a chair has an emergent property. Aristotle would call it chairness. So the (laughs) essence of being a chair. But if you disassemble the chair or if you just uh, looked at a bunch of wooden boards in a heap, Uh, it wouldn't have that chairness. So it's the specific spatial arrangement and configuration and interconnectedness of those components that allows this property of chairness to come into being that didn't exist if you just put these components in a heap. I think a lot of people who perceive an incompatibility between materialism and free will uh, cannot get past the idea that individual atoms are not alive or conscious however you can have more complex arrangements or phenomena uh, that come into being if you essentially have these separately inert components uh, spatially uh, arranged in certain ways uh, or behaving in certain ways vis-a-vis one another and Each of us is the totality of that very complex, Mm. intricate physical system that evolved over the course of millions and billions of years, if you consider the first life forms as our distant ancestors. So I have this compatibilist perspective between Mm. materialism and free will. And I would say even in practice, we experience free will directly. So however that arises from physical or chemical processes, the fact is it's a lot easier to live and make day-to-day decisions under the assumption that we have free will and other people have free will. Because if you want someone to uh, get up from a chair where they're sitting and this chair has the capacity, uh, the quality of chairness, but this person has the capacity to respond to what you're telling them. And you could find some sort of intricate physical mechanism that could act upon them in exactly the right way to get their body to stand up from the chair, even if they don't want to. Or you could just politely ask Mm. them to stand up from the chair, which is easier. Mm. And that is, I think, an important consideration for acknowledging that free will exists and that this is a useful concept for us to deploy.
0: Well, getting into the nitty-gritty of it, and I want to hear from Paul as well here, uh, there is a comment from uh, Pessoa, who has a very interesting man with a hat on his avatar. Uh, let me know who that man in the hat is with the mustache. Very fancy-looking.
1: Pessoa. Who? Pessoa. Is the, uh, the, uh, Fernando Pessoa is a Portuguese author and poet.
0: Ah. Yeah. Oh, nice. So he asks, how, Keck, how does causality and matter generate free will? Basically, your free will is just a complex ca- causal machine, and its complexity just creates the illusion of free will. So that would be his retort. I'm curious, Jannati, uh, what do you think?
4: It's not an illusion because we directly experience the fundamental act and capacity Of choice. So I have my hand here. I can move it in one direction. I can move it in another direction. I could have easily, during that last movement, moved it in a different direction. There was nothing constraining me to make that particular movement. Now you could say people are embedded in other systems in the sense that. They may feel certain pressures to act in one way versus another. If they feel hunger, they uh, certainly feel like they need to take certain actions to obtain food, but how they choose to do it is up to them. When they choose to do it is up to them, subject of course to biological limitations. So the complexity of the world in which we live doesn't, uh, imply that free will is somehow an illusion, it just means that our choices are guided by a variety of considerations and constraints. And to the extent that the constraints are relatively well known from a statistical perspective, we can anticipate what kinds of incentives people will face. So in an economic system, for instance, if you have uh, a situation where price controls are imposed, you're likely going to have shortages of the product uh, on which price controls are imposed. That's not to say that some people wouldn't choose to sell that product at lower prices. It's just Mm. in aggregate, we can expect that most people will make certain kinds of
0: choices. I want to illustrate uh, an example with uh, Buddhist meditation, for instance. When you meditate, you start seeing all these thoughts appear before you. And the question is, are those thoughts coming from your desire to think these things? Or as some of the uh, writers of these Buddhist books uh, talk about these thoughts are just appearing. You know, they just are. This is an experience that you're having where these thoughts are coming to you. And if we then use that same example for very quick decisions that we would make in our day-to-day life, how much of that is something that just appears as opposed to us being these conscious agents that direct these particular thoughts? Right. Well, when a thought just appears... This takes us back to the discussion
4: about the subconscious. There may be uh, essentially prior experiences, prior choices, prior actions that led the brain to be, for lack of a better term, wired in a certain way that is more likely to produce that kind of thought. So, uh, for instance, if somebody uh, had spent much of their life as an engineer and then they go to meditate... And they might have thoughts about some engineering problem spontaneously appearing, even though their desire is not to have that mm. thought appear. But it comes from the years of prior experience and active engagement with the world, that the the tendency for that thought to appear is formed.
0: But just to be clear, I'm not even talking about tendencies. I'm talking about the thoughts themselves, any thought. If we're talking about, you you know what I mean, Chris, right? Like any thought uh, that appears. I I mean, the
2: way I'd look at it. So as I said, the brain's made up of all these subsystems. um, And, you know, it's it's like, uh, I think it's like your Windows desktop, basically, right? Sometimes an email comes in, sometimes an instant message comes in. Sometimes, you know, it's the... Some notification from YouTube comes in. Sometimes you look at you look at a webpage. Sometimes you look back at your old files, what you wrote before. Um, you know, sometimes you do a, a defrag. You know, th- all these things are going on at the same time. It's really where you pay your attention to, um, and uh, so I don't think it's I don't, it doesn't seem that strange to me. Like I, I think that's what you'd expect from the kind of brain that we have, which is a sort of modular system evolved for various different purposes over time. Some bits kept, some bits uh, deprecated. Um, you know, it, it's very complex, but in our perception, you know, historically, we've not seen it like that. Historically, people have talked about, you know, dreams and, uh, you know, they've interpreted these things as messages from God and, and, and you know, whatever, and sort of, emo- you know, uh, emotions or feelings, etc. But But from a like computer science point of view, it, it looks ex- it, to me, this whole thing looks exactly like you'd expect for a, a mind that, that is built in that way over, over that time. So it, it's not doesn't seem that magical to me um i mean it's magical in in its scale but it it seems pretty much exactly what you'd expect and you know it's another reason i I think that agi would basically be created in a broadly similar way and would you'd end up with a broadly similar result um albeit it will progress um over time Um, Mm. yes
4: and it's quite possible that the mind has certain automated functions so to speak just like the brain interacts with the heart in such a manner that leads the heart to beat in a regular fashion and you don't have to consciously will your heart to beat it could be that certain experiences or certain past decisions or certain habits set processes and motion that lead certain thoughts to emerge later on, even though one didn't specifically will those thoughts to emerge. But even when that happens, one has the option of how to respond to those thoughts does one delve further into them does one cast them aside and decide well this is not relevant right now i'd rather focus on something else so Mm. there's still that aspect of individual choice even if you're facing but but even that we don't
0: know what that is even that choice of uh, not paying attention to those other choices where that could come from but anyway i want to focus on uh Uh, a particular thing that uh, a certain Mr. Zach Richardson, who I'm sure you're familiar with, who is Zach? He's a a friend of yours, right?
4: Yes, he is the director of publication from uh, the U.S. Transhumanist Party, a highly dedicated transhumanist and all-around intellectual. He is also a cyborg, because as he posted in the comments, he has an artificial heart.
0: Whoa. Well, there is a very uh, – I did not know about the ho- – that's very interesting. That's like some Dick Cheney stuff. Anyway, uh, there's a interesting uh, passage he wrote over here in the chat where he says, Yes, dude, imagine feeling the positive feelings you now feel when inebriated, amplified by thousands of times, and turn them on and off as you will, as you wish. Just imagine you can have a wire going into your brain – And you could tap a button and you'd be happy. Just tap, tap, tap. That would be your life. That's the future I dream of.
4: Well, it's interesting because emotions, feelings, sensations, they play a valuable role in terms of modulating one's interactions with the external world. And that's Mm. how emotions and sensations evolved. So if you experience pain, for instance, that's a sign that uh, you should really pull away from whatever is causing that pain. And people who don't have adequate pain sensations actually get themselves in a lot of trouble inadvertently because they might, uh, say, put their finger on a hot skillet. And not feel anything until uh, they have severe skin sure. damage. Uh, and likewise, emotions like fear—they uh, evolve because uh, if you feel fear, it's likely there's some sort of predator mm. or uh, Jeanette, to I, j-
0: I just want to—I just want to concentrate right, right now uh, right. on this particular uh, passage because people right now in the comments are saying that they're comparing it to things like methamphetamines, uh, the cocaine rat experiments. So, according to them having and I'm curious Paul town what your take on this is as mm-hmm. well when you have this constant feeling of elation of pleasure all the time that's non-stopped it, there there's always there seems to be something inhuman about that I don't know Paul what do you think
1: well it's it's uh it doesn't work uh really cuz it, it's uh, yeah, if you blow out your your receptors anybody who's done meth you know I think all of us on this call probably have um, <laughs> no but if you, anybody <laughs> anybody who's uh done like even adderall if you've done ritalin or adderall or taken, you know anything uh that's you know even if you smoke weed if you smoke weed, weed regularly it blows out your receptors and there's a reason for that and the reason for that is your, your body adjusts to it to find a uh, like homeostasis like balance essentially um and you know th- there is the idea of, you know the, the idea of oh we can just you know push a button feel happy uh there it, that doesn't work because like Feeling happy—it's—it's it's, it's the reason you have that. It's the same reason you feel good after, uh, you know, uh, rec- uh, procreation with a woman. You feel, you know, really good, and that's because it's the reward. It's like the—it's like the little, a you know, little bonus that draw. Like it basically, like oh, there's like the little, you know, the carrot at the end of the stick to to motivate behavior. Uh, so you have the bad—you to have the bad. Like you're depressed or you're you're mad, and then that that motivates like prior to an outcome. And basically, let's say you're angry, so you do something. Um, and makes you do something that's like a motivation or there's something like, prize at the end of doing something so that's feeling good if you like you, you study hard and you work and you get a good score in your test or your job you get a promotion and you feel good for it and uh, just just taking the the symptoms like the like the it's essentially it's the it's it's pretty much like the, the shadow from something or right? like the emotions you feel is pretty much the shadow from something so you feel really good because you did something good um and if you're chasing after the shadow you're gonna just end up with nothing uh you want to be like if that'll it's just like rewiring stuff to feel really good uh that's why meth is really bad that's why you know opioids are really bad because it, it basically takes a shortcut and if, if you guys have interacted with people who have been addicted to opioids um like for a long time they're, like they're some of the nastiest people ever and the reason for that is because they pretty much uh they they basically did opioids which make you feel really good and you feel warm and you feel happy um to the degree where the normal amount of satisfaction and happiness you get from being a decent person from being empathetic is just totally overridden. And there's no reason to ever do that because like even you don't feel good from being nice to people. So why are you going to be nice? And that's why people are nice to people. Generally speaking is is, uh, positive feelings associated with it. And so like rewiring like that's just, you know, just biologically, it it doesn't make sense. And it's psychologically doesn't make sense either. Mm -hmm.
4: Yes. My view is emotions should be aligned with objective states of being, what one faces within the external reality. So if one's life circumstances are good, one should be happy. If one faces some sort of threat, one should be fearful, at least to the point that that fear motivates action to alleviate that Mm -hmm. threat. If one perceives some sort of injustice or some sort of problem that needs to be fixed, uh, perhaps anger or determination are proper emotional responses the key is how to reach that alignment because we know in many people that connection is broken hence i've referred to irrational emotions as being a major problem for human beings could there be some reliable way for people to align their emotions with their objective life circumstances so that they feel good when their circumstances are good they feel bad and motivated to change their circumstances when their circumstances are bad. And clearly today we don't have a sufficiently reliable understanding of the brain or sufficiently accurate technologies to do that. So I myself am highly concerned about the overuse of psychotropic medications in contemporary societies because those medications tend to dull that emotional responsiveness Mm -hmm. that is often needed to effectively solve problems and decouple the emotions from the external reality. It is not always bad for someone to feel sad, even for prolonged periods of time. If the circumstances objectively warrant that and that perception leads one to take action to improve those external circumstances so i would say i would not favor a kind of wireheading scenario i would favor a scenario where people can more effectively use technology to align
2: their inner worlds with the objective external world yeah i think there's a lack of imagination when people make these kind of criticisms i mean you know yeah there's like a, there's a danger right like if you just and we've actually seen it where uh, wires were put like like a long time ago, uh, 50, 60 years ago where they put wires inside a woman's head and she could, she was feeling orgasms all the time, this kind of thing. Um, you know, but in reality, if you were to, I mean, Neuralink is still primitive, uh, compared to what we're talking about here, but, you know, imagine, imagine generations ahead with Neuralink, you know, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be just pressing a button to make you feel good. What you'd be doing is you'd be adjusting thousands and thousands of, um, uh, of, of, levels of various sort of, um, uh, uh, neurochemicals and neurochemical pre, uh, uh, precursors. Um, and you'd be tweaking it with a, not just by hand, like when you change, uh, values in your windows settings or something, this, this would be, you know, helped by sophisticated, uh, AI baby, AGI, uh, assisted algorithms, you know, to, to just optimize for your rational objectives. Um, and, uh, I mean, that might sound cold and clinical, but it doesn't need to be, you know, um, uh, so I, I don't, there's, I don't really see a problem in that long-term. Mm. It's a short-term glitch. Mm. And, and that, that, re- that sort of thinking applies to a lot of these, a lot mm. of these kind of problems. But you're
0: yeah. giving a lot of power to human beings yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. determine that stuff.
1: Like, uh, I would say like, uh, there, that, there's like the ideal, right. Of you would be able to Super adjust the variables and that sort of stuff. And, but like, in practice, if you look at like, uh, like. Psych- psychiatry and like psych- uh, the like the, the pharmaceutical thing with the SSRIs and you know Adderall for kids and then that sort of stuff, um, antidepressants that sort of thing. Um, in reality, what what really does tend to happen is uh, it's not like we adjust the environment to be ideal. As we make more tools and the more tools we make to modify our own behavior and modify our own comfort and discomfort, uh, we pretty much like the, the environment gets worse and uh, the the only people who can compete are the people who are willing to basically hurt themselves and, and basically like mess around, and tinker under the hood so they're not feeling the downside of it. So right, so you have, so you have somebody in finance, right, and they're taking Adderall or they're taking whatever to stay up long, hard hours, or somebody in like a really hard like uh, you know school, and then the people who aren't willing to do that and they they they, they uh, basically say yeah like I value my health, I value my body and my mind, mm. um, or they get locked out because I'm like hey, I'll abuse my body, I'll abuse my mind i'll perform at the best you know they burn out but there's always gonna be people who come and over time the environment just it gets worse the more the more modification you can do to emotions that are not based on like cause and effect of reality uh the more essentially you know eventually you just get self-destructive people willing to yeah i'll, I'll sacrifice my health for five years to make a million dollars in investment banking and you know you know the, somebody who's like well i wanted i want to work in finance but i don't want to become you know, a robot on amphetamines all the time. It's like, well, you mm. can't because other people are going to do that. And
2: those, huh. those are cr- those are crude interventions. Right. These these kind of drugs. Um, so really, in the long term or medium to long term, we're talking about much more sophisticated yeah. interventions. Yeah, but no, I, I, no. I, there will be a split, though. I mean, I, I think, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not brushing aside the specific the, the sort of problem we have now where, yeah, like some people are damaging their health to, to get ahead for 10 years and hope that they don't kill themselves in the process um but there will be a split i mean there will be a split between people who ultimately embrace uh you know progressing and people Mm who who don't want to do that and they want to they want to just stay where they are enjoy life as a a human and i can sympathize both ways um but i i don't i don't trust other people with the power and uh so i probably would go down the transhuman route myself um even though but but i wouldn't be losing anything because any Friday night when I want to be like a normal human, I, I'll just pop. You know, I just pop into an avatar and be like a normal human, and and, and have every benefit of that pretty much. Um, so I, I don't think I'd be losing anything. But I mean, even if you look at the the Amish, for example, they opted out. But at the end of the day, the Amish can only live their life because they're part of a uh, of the most powerful country on earth. You know. And yeah, they're basically
1: the like yeah protected by it. nuclear yeah. weapons,
2: yeah. and you know, so and and that's that's what people are going to have to do if, if they opt out, because you know somebody's got somebody's got to embrace the the transhuman future, and uh, what you want is people to do that who are willing to create bubbles of safety for people that don't want to embrace it, and and there may be some transfer between those those realms, perhaps, right? Some people might move from the you know the the I don't want to say Am- amish again, but the uh, sort of uh, the, the the holdouts and and some people might go back from um transhuman to you know and mm. uh, you know so I, th- I think it's a it's a very rich uh future potentially and, and i think when people think about this uh who are not used to thinking about it that much and, I'm, and i know paul you think about it a lot so i'm, I'm not saying uh not saying no, 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 know, think, but, but uh but yeah, i think when you know average people who are having to do you know nine-to-five job, whatever, think about this. They're thinking in very simplistic terms. And obviously when it when you put it into like Black Mirror or something, you've got to simplify it right down. I mean, there's some good stuff, but you've got to simplify it right down and you're looking for a dystopian angle. But it's not hard for me in most cases to uh, flip it around and put the positive side if we do it right. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. By the uh, way, I we make...
0: Oh, real quick, we may have uh, Zach Richardson going live with us. I'm just really curious about what's going on because apparently he's in the hospital, but it's for a transplant, but he already had a heart transplant. So is this like another transplant or what's... Like, I'm very curious about the like, what, a...
1: he's getting the <laughs> yeah, what exactly is going yes. on.
4: His is a fascinating story. Uh, before he comes on, uh, I would like to sure. expand upon Chris's comments because the transhuman future is going to be entirely voluntary for each individual. And what I foresee is not everyone choosing or being highly incentivized to choose a particular unitary path, but rather a proliferation of diversity, unlike anything we have seen. All of the discussions today about differences in race, gender, culture, religion, any attribute you could think of, actually exist on a very narrow spectrum compared to the diversity that will occur in the transhuman future and that includes different levels of human machine integration some people choosing biological enhancements some people choosing artificial enhancements some people not choosing any enhancements some people choosing to live like the amish some people choosing to live like early 21st century Mm. humans and what is important is to have a societal and political atmosphere that recognizes the right of each individual to make those decisions for themselves and i would say to paul's point i have never been incentivized to take mind-altering substances that could pose deleterious effects to my health Mm. and I do work in a financial field, I don't make millions of dollars, but even if I wanted to make millions of dollars, I would try to find a different path because I do believe preserving the integrity of my mind and my health would be a more important priority than earning lots of money. No amount of money would compensate for that, so does that handicap me in the short term? I don't think so because I'm creative, so I don't just have to put in long hours. I'll try to find a different solution to whatever bottlenecks I might be
0: facing.
1: Yep, I get that. Yeah.
0: And we have over here uh, Zach coming in. Hold on, let me uh, change the screens a little bit. Uh, hold on, Gennady, you are... Here we go. Now everybody, everybody is online. Here we go. We got the uh, panel all set. Uh, Zach Richardson, thank you so much for coming in live from the
3: hospital. <laughs> uh, it's, no, it's,
5: it's the best, man. It's like it's 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 ridiculous in a way yeah. I should be going nuts, but hey, uh, we got our Vulcan symbol right there. It's one of the emojis. That's how that's how far we've infiltrated into YouTube's algorithms. Hmm. Um, but
0: yeah so tell running, us tell
5: us
0: uh, <laughs> tell us tell us about yourself like how uh how you came upon like the heart and plan and what exactly has been going on well, let us know
5: yes so um i was significantly uh less opposed to um consumption of substances than gennati is for a large portion of my time when i was younger i also um had not the best uh cardiac health Uh, at the time I was I was living in a weird situation with I think it might have been a virus um Mm -hmm. so I was drinking I said it might have been a virus it also had something with genetics it's like a perfect storm but I was going to um see my primary care doctor I'd be I'd be at work I'm a broker and um I'd be I'd be talking I'm like doc you know I can't uh I, I can't breathe I don't know what's going on here um I'm yeah, you because know, I I wake up tomorrow, I'd be taking his breaths, I'd be going. When did this happen, approximately? was twenty seventeen, but I take these oh, wow. breath and I'd feel like, I'd feel like like I was taking breaths, but like I was still holding my breath. So I knew something was screwed up. So I went and I went and I talked to my doctor, my primary care at the time, and he was like, "Listen, son, you just uh, you just stressed. You Just you need to relax a little bit." So he writes me a prescription for some Xanax, which uh, made me care less about the fact that I was uh, terribly unable to breathe when I had these episodes, but unfortunately um, did not help them in any way. I continued to get worse for like four months, finally started uh, puking, turning yellow, organs were turn red. I went to visit my parents and they were like, um, Hey, uh. What are you doing here in urgent care uh you should be in the hospital you're keeping blood and i'm like i haven't got that kind of money i don't want to spend that right now i i i don't want i don't want to mess around with that but they sent me to the hospital they said hey you got congestive heart failure a lot of fluid in my heart so i thought um to cure it i remember being not able to bring thinking "Ah, i just got to wash it out i just had some toxins so i just chugged a few jugs of water um have some of that uh there was a pre-workout powder at the time that still had some uh, of that geranium based stuff that was uh uh fantastic you could could have some of that get like a little bit of a boost to go work out but um it just deteriorated and um they finally said look if you want to keep on living we're going to turn you into a machine man and i said
3: fuck no i don't
5: want to do that so um they instead put this thing In my arm, and gave me something called no renown, which, uh, like you mentioned, your boy Dick Cheney got as well. They tried that for him on uh, a little bit, and uh, he ended up doing the same thing I did, which was getting an LVAD here. So I got all kinds of gear going on here. Um, Whoa. Got a little bit of a cord that ends up going into my stomach right here, pops right up in my heart, keeps, uh, keeps the fluids flowing, keeps everything nice and loose. And, and, um, and the, the
0: heart itself, though, do you have like a pacemaker or what's going on with...
5: Uh... They wanted to give me a pacemaker, but I, for some reason, didn't want that. So there was actually some type of program at the time where you get something called a life vest, which was like an external pacemaker. So like if you had an issue, it would shock you on the outside. Um, and that, for some reason, I still was, you know, sort of opposed to surgery. I was, I was part of the transhumanist party since 2017. So now you and I have known other for a long time um it, since it, it started i've been reading his writing on the rational argumentator and he and i both have a pretty much the exact same similar philosophical bent when it comes to the hierarch- hierarchical nature of philosophy um so i've been following his writing and i got involved with the uscp and then yeah it's funny this happened part way through and all of a sudden it's like oh great now i'm I uh, yeah they told me if you've got to put one of these things in your sign, it's
0: that or, uh, and here you whatever. don't believe in synchronicity I mean right here you know you mention that and then all of a sudden this happens <laughs> oh but uh Paul uh I don't, I don't do you, I I would love I, I don't even want to talk anymore Paul if you have any questions because you're kind of like the odd odd man out here there's like a triforce of people like transhumanist people are, are covering <laughs> you and you're just this little uh you know the little bobblehead, what is what called the uh, I so keep funko forgetting pop, Funko Pop. Funko Pop. Yeah. You're a little
1: Funko Pop well, I man. I represent the Funko Pop uh, anti-humanists. Um, you anyway, represent the Funko yeah. Pop <laughs> guild. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I, I think uh, yeah. There's not much to say. I can't. I can't be there for too much longer. Probably until ten. Yeah, um, we're we're but, gonna be um, we're
0: gonna be leaving soon. This is just kind of like an extra, like a dessert, if you will. Yeah. Uh, right.
1: Yeah, I, I'd say the the. Um, so for me, it's like it, it probably sounds like I'm very anti-transhumanist. I'm not really anti. I just I'm just not like. I don't buy, like, I'm not like motivated by that sort of thing. Uh, I think I am, like, I think, like, the for me, like, the cybernetics term is more applicable because I think that's that's much more, like, uh, applicable now in terms of, oh, we use cell phones, right? We have, you know, people have Bluetooth ear, ear pods, you know, put into their ear while they're using their phone and they're, you know, walking around. You're pretty much kind of essentially cybernetic, KFA, a little bit. That's kind of what, like, the, the neural link is related to is like the throughput of information. And uh, I think that is, like, a really big thing that's, that's like, already happening. And, and you know, it's very obvious the effects that's happening. Some some good, some bad. Um, but, you yeah, know, in terms of the transhuman thing, where where I kind of uh, digress is just the, the living for everything. I, you know, I, I have more power to anybody who wants to work for. I'm not, uh, you know, I don't personally, I'm not motivated by, motivated by that. But, um, you yeah, know, I think the, the AI stuff in terms of, I think there is some uh reason to suspect that it'll get very advanced i'm not sure about agi but i do think it's um it's useful in terms of uh personal assistance i think it's like a big thing um i'd say like the the downside of it is uh the um just like what we've seen with like with like uh, psychiatry and stuff it you know obviously like i was saying it's it's not like he's made the personal choice like you made the personal choice not to destroy your body to become some you know uh you know investment banking bro who's you know coked out his mind all day so he can do (laughs) trades and whatever um or like uh, mergers uh but i think i think generally speaking the more uh, people get control over variables whether it's like food right so we saw with agriculture it's like the more we were able to genetically modify food and and change and and extract oils from different things um it's not like that gets used for it, it might be used eventually in the beginning for a beneficial manner but generally speaking what happens is the 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 uh efficiency essentially and we saw this with the industrial revolution the idea was oh we're gonna industrialize and then you know you'll have to, you know we'll work three days a week and uh you know we'll have mm. some much more free time because everything's yeah. much more efficient in reality what happens is you know the, the producers make a lot more money and they they, they they scale up a lot more and then you know basically scabs come across and they say yeah well you know i'll work you know you can yeah. also work three days i'll work four days you know i'll work five days um hey easy but, there uh, Karl Marx. yeah yeah um so yes yeah, so i think there there is some uh cause for you're not even concerned because I, I only concern really is matters because like what's going to happen is going to happen but like awareness that i think there there is the downside of like the customization thing but I, I do i do think cybernetics and uh like like just like for example zach with like with the heart stuff there is the uh you know the obviously upside like I'm not against like medicine or people learning how to do it. I just, I just think for me personally, it's like, I'm not, I'm not super motive, motivated, by that.
5: Okay. Well, I want to interject something real quick. Yeah. And let yeah. me try and like totally blow your mind. Paula, Go so. for it. Give me the opportunity to just say, so what if living forever is not an end, it is a means?
1: What do you mean? Okay. So, so elaborate on that a little bit. So
5: what I mean is that you can have many, many goals many of which I have, which aren't even fully elaborated yet in my own mind because Mm -hmm. of the limits of my cogitative power. But I know that my time on earth is kind of finite and the clock's ticking and that right now there is something that's going to constrain me, a hard constraint Mm -hmm. on me being able to continue to pursue and learn and grow and achieve those goals, whatever they may be, Maybe they take more than a lifetime to do. Um, you know, there's, they say something is like the work of a lifetime. What if it's the work of a couple lifetimes? Mm-hmm. There are some things I'm interested in doing that may take a couple lifetimes. And I see living forever is longer enough as a means to be able to achieve those goals rather than the ends of just...
1: Yeah, I, I see your point. I, I... Like I'm not, I don't have any strong negative emotions against it, right? I'm not like uh, advocating for people to stop doing whatever if they. But for me personally, like in terms of like it's like placing your bets, I'm pretty skeptical on like the the outcome of it. And I also, I also do believe that um, you know once you die, I do believe in like uh, like the eternal recurrence sort of things. So I kind of think we loop around eventually somehow. We get around to doing the same thing over and over again. So I'm not too. Um, hmm. But I, I don't know. For me, it, it, it's it's. I'm fine, you know. When, when I check out, I check out. Maybe I'm just less ambitious or something. Yeah, yeah maybe. I'm maybe not. you'll
0: get reincarnated oh. into an actual Funko Pop, you know, like <laughs> yeah. somebody. Yeah,
1: that's uh, my <laughs> that's my punishment.
0: You're, you're you're gonna have to watch uh, the uh, the cooking, you know. You're gonna have to watch like the bull and yeah, all that. I live in
1: the redditor's <laughs> house. Yeah, uh, yeah no, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I just i'm just skeptical of it and it's also i think like in terms of bets like i'd much rather invest my time in stuff that's more human uh i think i think for for me a lot of the value is that i'm going to die and then there's a hard limit to it and for me it's like it's not even about um achieving things it's more about the the experience of trying to do stuff and when i look back when I'm bar and getting hit by a car having a heart attack randomly like just say i'm on my deathbed i can look back at my life and be like oh like i, I did my best i learned the xyz i can i, I can uh, now I can arrest. That's really my, my thing. is like, uh, It's almost like a Protestant sort of We're being
5: coerced by death into having that sort of philosophy. Philosophers fall for this all the time. If we were to get hit on the head every Tuesday with a baseball bat, randomly, just come out of the sky and bat all of it, philosophers would think about all the reasons it was such a good thing and how it toughened us, it, it hardened us up, it made the bat-free days all the sweeter. And, uh, it's, it's the same way with life. It's saying, well, you know, once it ends, it's, you know, that's what makes it so sweet. It's like, well, it, you know, if you gave people the opportunity, they choose not to get hit on the head with a bat. And I think a lot mm. of people are going to want to choose not to die. Yeah, that's right. Fair. I, that's fair. I,
1: I think it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I think, I think we're coming from a different perspective, but even like personality wise, like I'm more of a misanthrope, I think than a lot of people. Um, so it's, it, it is i get what you're saying I, there are it's people who genuinely no that's mm. true yeah um <laughs> but, but uh it's it's for me It's like, mean, i'm not i'm not uh i've never particularly been in love with living either so i'm not exactly like holy i can't i, mm. no, I really so it's it's i'm also i'm not like i need to die but like i'm like when, you know I'll, I'll do my best and then mm. you know, whenever time time well, comes time comes Well, listen,
0: guys, we're going to be concluding this stream. I just wanted to get everybody's final thoughts, and I really appreciate this. And this is what BTR does. It brings together people who are in hospitals, people who are not in hospitals, people (laughs) who are human Funko Pops. Uh, This is what a BTR is all about. And for those who are just tuning in from Giannati or Chris or Paul, uh, know that what...
1: Smash so, that like yes. button. Yes, smash that like
0: button, exactly. Super chats. Super chats. Need those super chats. It all helps the algorithm out. Max and out the credit card. Exactly. Sending. Yeah, max out your daddy's credit card. So... <laughs> What, uh, what would be a great way of supporting Break the Rules is if you become a patron, though. So patreon.com slash break the rules is where you go. Here is the link. When you become a patron, you are going to get exquisitely beautiful magnets. Well, well, before I get to the magnets, when you become a $5 patron, you're going to get the MP3s of the episodes after they come out. You're also going to get Patreon privilege. What that means is that you, as a patron, can come on the episodes and hang out and crack wise. Uh, that would be more towards like the second half. Although I would have to specify like in the beginning, Hey, we're going to do this episode. I would welcome all the patrons to come in here. Patreon only episodes are coming as well. BTR right now, has to grow, and it is thanks to you guys that it is going to keep growing. When you become a $10 patron, no, tw- 10, no, 10. When you, sorry, sorry, when you become a $20 <laughs> patron, you are going to get this beautiful one of a kind wooden sculpture, uh, magnet created by my father, Alexander Polyakov. Now, this is a random design, it's going to be whatever comes into his head. But if you want it to be a custom design, that's that's more. That's $50. $50 patronage is going to get you a very beautiful uh, Styx Hexenhammer 666 Dragon, which I had over here. I'm not sure where I put that image. Here, I'm going to find that image in a bit. But the point is, is that you are going to get either the Styx Dragon, if you are a fan of Styx, or if you are lukewarm to sticks or whatever, you are going to get a custom wooden magnet. Whatever design you want, it'll be yours. If you want like a little Funko Pop magnet, I'm sure my dad's going to be able to make one of Loki, the Loki Paul Town magnet or maybe that crazy raccoon from that what's that movie? Paul? Oh,
3: Over the Hedge. Over, Over the, the Hedge. The raccoon,
0: yeah. yeah, you never know what kind of trouble making that raccoon's going to uh, you, you know, he he lights a match and next thing you know, you know, a whole <laughs> <he> farmer <laughs> <as as> <laughs> <laughs> a whole farmer's legacy that he wanted to pass <laughs> on to his kids. Just go goes up in flames.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the thing. That's what you guys have destruction is what makes creation <laughs> worth it.
0: Yeah, I mean that is kind of like uh, <laughs> my quote about war. You know, being you know painting with blood. It's no. like, yeah, I mean it is a horrible thing. But at the end of the day, there has to be some kind of pressure, something, some friction for some kind of growth. I think, however that may be. I'm not saying that should be as far as war goes. I think it could be in the human you know,
5: mind. i a quick anecdote with that, and that's how Zunati and I started to actually become friends with some of that friction on this show, when that, uh, that weird little, I'm a fascist. Oh, guy. that
0: guy, yeah. I, Wait, uh, I think Paul m- I... may know him. Paul, Sonny? do you? Yeah, Sonny.
5: Well, yeah, what happened I, with him? He came out of DTR, and Giannati was talking, and he was all like, oh, I'm a, uh, I, I'm a fascist. So you're not an Anglo, bro. Go home because you're not an Anglo. And it was just so, like, uh, pathetic. But it got it got Gennady, so he cut me he, he up and it was fun yes yeah, I S- S- it. yeah sonny's funny. a professional
0: sonny's a professional troll and all kinds of, it's <laughs> it's very interesting just think about all the sagas that btr here, yeah i'm glad i'm glad you got to see that though because btr goes through all kinds of sagas but what makes what warms the cockles of my heart is that janati after that you came back and it was a great pleasure to have you back and to have people like yourself and Chris and Zach and Paul come in together who I don't think you would have ever been able to talk like this as far as like what are the chances of Paul Town talking with Janati and Zach and Chris. You know, this is a very special thing that we're able to do with the Internet right now, which is why I think that there are ways of utilizing technology for the better to bring people together. That's what BTR is all about, and it's what BTR is going to keep on being about when you support it so smash that subscribe button smash the like button like zach said And support this thing it's gonna grow we are gonna get really really big guests on soon and it is just going to blow up no other conversations like this are taking place anywhere on the internet this is the big brain channel this is where it's at thank you guys so much have a wonderful rest of your day subscribe to all these wonderful people wait lastly what are you guys working on I want to show for you guys too, Janati what do you have going on well As
4: I said, this Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific time, please join us for our virtual enlightenment salon, which will announce the launch of the Transhuman Club. You can already see the website at transhuman.club. This will be a gathering place for people who are interested in the kinds of ideas that we discussed today, and they will have opportunities to view our salons, including the one with Lev that we held in July of 2021, and also engage in collaborations, artistic collaborations, technological collaborations, educating people about these fascinating developments that are poised to transform the human condition. So we at the US Transhumanist Party are focused on politics and policy. The Transhuman Club will be focused on everything besides that. So uh, we may be reaching out to students and schools. We may be reaching out to people of other political persuasions who want to collaborate with us in a purely apolitical context. And we're going to do it in a way that's entertaining and interesting and uh, definitely artistically rich. So uh, I hope to art. invite all of you there.
5: Sweet. Can send you something on Facebook. Show, show that real quick. Wait, you chance, send it You send it to mind? me? Who did you send what this to? On Facebook.
0: All right, let yeah. me take a look at this. I'm intrigued. While I'm taking a look at that, Chris, anything we have to look forward from the great Chris Bartlett? And by the way, are you related to the guy who created Hey Arnold, Craig Bartlett, or no? Or is that
2: just a... No, my, my brother's the uh, playwright and screenwriter Mike Bartlett. Mm. <laughs> not not Craig Bartlett. yeah. Interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, just uh, summary: AGI and transhumanism is coming. It's coming soon. Uh, it could be great for everybody, like everybody, whether you want to be on board or not. Um, but I, you know, I do, I do think it's under threat. I think there's a there's a there's a risk, a genuine risk of uh, it being sort of uh, captured by corporations. I think in the long run, it'll be made free, but we could we could avoid that sort of uh, negative side. Um, I'm still writing. I'm still working on books. I, I might start putting stuff out in articles because I'm not very good at finishing books. Um, maybe Paul can give me some tips. Mm. <laughs> um,
0: and uh, where but, where can people find you on Twitter?
2: Yeah, follow me on Twitter if you're interested. Uh, at uh, what is it? At Bartlett Chris J. Yeah. That's
0: it. I'm putting the hey. link right here.
2: Yeah. A- my, excellent. Uh, my my profile picture looks pretty much exactly like this, but in, As- <laughs> in, in ASCII. Yeah i have a computer game too but i i don't really i don't think it's relevant so
0: no 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 please tell me about the computer game i completely no, it's just, forgot it,
2: it's it's a mobile game if you like death and destruction uh, it's the opposite of what i tried to do in, in my other work but um yeah it's called uh it's called ufo enemy known and it's available on android and uh on an iphone as well
0: and what did you do for this game
2: uh i i helped design it i worked on some of the algorithms um but uh, a lot of the heavy lifting uh, was done by my oldest son, actually.
5: Nice. Any you be working on Longevity Escape Velocity, again... game?
0: Oh, I I love this. Look at the I I love the style over here with the uh, lizard guy and the that guy by the way with the lips. He kind of looks like that really popular game about the um, Mr. Balding's world or something like that. No no, I'm confusing the guy who was on the China stream. I'm so sorry, Chris Balding. I'm so sorry that I'm comparing you to this dude with the lips. Hold on, what was that game, Paul? There was this really popular game that came out. You remember where there was this guy in the classroom? He was running after you, and you had to. Uh, How long some, ago
1: is this? Is this an old game?
0: No, it's not that old, but it looks old. It's like Baldi something. Hold on. I don't think I've seen that one. Ba- Baldi's, all right, game uh, class. Okay, while I'm looking this up, Paul Town, uh, what's new? Wait, wait, before Paul Town, Zach, since you came here, uh, any anything we have to look forward to from the uh, from the great Zach? What's going on? Can you,
5: can you squeeze there for a second from our art? Uh I, sure. There. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, uh, let's see what cool. I could do. And you have really beautiful art. What I could do is I can show it on the OBS. Yeah, so I saved one of the images here. Let me just pull it up. Uh, hold on. Let me save it one more time. And I am pulling it into this thing. There we go. All right. Look at that. That is a very beautiful. Now you can't see it, but it is one of these beautiful structures. Is this in uh, 3D you made?
5: Yeah, yeah, this is something. There's some, there's some AI tools that came out that I'm keeping a trade secret for now.
3: Whoa, that is. The
5: party can make some, uh, figure out how to monetize it and, uh, make us all live forever, but it, it'll be, it'll be common really soon. But,
0: well, that, that yeah. is very beautiful. And where could people find you?
5: You find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Zach Loves China.
0: China as in find China. Oh, there's not a difference in spelling. <laughs> They're spelled the same. Uh, China as in the country, right? Or the wrestler. There is the that's wrestler.
5: A, that's a whole different. It's uh, <laughs> a whole different. uh like the rules stream. We can do it another time.
0: Wait, which one is it though? Is it China? The wrestler? G-I-M-A. Oh no! Okay, well, so we're we're gonna we're gonna have to bring Balding on for that one. Oh boy, oh boy, that's gonna be exciting. It's a uh, uh, see synchronicity right there. I mentioned Balding, and by the way, the game is called Baldi's Basics. That's uh that that's what the game is called, Baldi's Basics. It's an extremely popular game. Um, it's, I, I, you, you have to see it. If you see the guy, then uh, you'll understand what I'm talking about, Chris. He kind of looks like that guy with the lips. Anyway, Paul Town, what is going on in your world in the, um, in the days, weeks, years to come? What do we have to look forward to, buddy?
1: Um, uh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of different things. Uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm working on like, like two more books, but, uh, I'm moving to Utah, so I'll be around some Mormons, so we'll see about that. I'll probably become a Mormon, and, um, Mormon Transhumanist say, Mormon Transhumanist, exactly, yeah. So but, uh, yeah, besides yeah. that, I mean, yeah. yeah.
0: There is an actual association, Paul. I don't know if you know this. They weren't kidding. There was an actual association called the Mormon Transhumanist Association. I, like, I believe that.
5: That makes sense. But very
1: yeah. yeah, but besides yes. that, I mean, just I'm pretty much just working on some, like, uh, I have a little, some different program project working on, but nothing big. And really just my books is the, the main thing.
0: And where could people go to buy your wonderful books?
1: Yeah, if you just go to book.paul.town, it'll redirect to the Amazon page, and you can you can buy, view my other books by uh, clicking the, the author page there.
0: Nice. All right, there we go. And I wanted to say this didn't have a chance, but... Uh, in the future i would love to have a stream where i di- where we would talk about what paul's town would look like like if you if you ran the town what was, okay whatever this is the end this is how you know this is over all right listen guys thank you so much for watching i appreciate it subscribe like thank you so much to all the wonderful guests today and uh um happy Fourth of July, Fourth of July yeah, is coming, coming up years. For there were guys 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 coming up years. For there were guys